A word to the wise. We are an explicit podcast tackling content with adult themes, as well as entering spoiler territory if you aren't caught up with us. So fucking catch up. Hey there, this is Cross. 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 And I am Thomas. We are Words and Whiskey, a podcast for veteran and novice readers alike. We tackle fiction novels and love to talk about what we're drinking. You should think of us as your intoxicating weekly book club. And we are Words and Whiskey, a podcast for veteran and novice readers alike. I'm not going to do the whole thing. Shut it down. Shut it down now. Lordy. That was good. Did you guys plan that ahead of time? Was that just off the no, top? No, that's just PJ's right. insanity. He's a little <laughs> zany. Good work. Good work. <laughs> Does have a little bit of that manic energy about him. I am channeling Crossland today, though, with with my drink of choice. Oh, you're channeling him alive mm-hmm. or to death? Hey, uh, <laughs> uh, you can do both. The world yeah. will find out soon. That By the- is good. But that. Whatever. By the way, Ben got to my house and I was in the shower and he thought it was the wrong day and he almost I, went home. I was like, did I, I had to check the calendar before I walked back to my car. I was like, no. I was like, oh, sorry. I thought I could squeeze in a five minute shower, even though I've never showered in five minutes in my entire life. <laughs> I, I had a similar moment, you know, no less than 20 minutes ago. When I I was napping post workout and then realized at eight I was like oh shit I have to like make a cocktail I have to oh no <laughs> fifteen minutes to throw this all together we're squeezing them in that's great absolutely all right today is our final episode of Jade War where we're going to be talking about chapters chapters the third interlude <laughs> through the end which is you know as indiscriminate as you could really get <laughs> that vague third part of the book <laughs> but before we talk about the chapters pj ben aaron how'd you feel about the climax of the story mm. i guess we should talk about the cocktail but we're gonna talk about this first because i fucked up so it was it was bam 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 climactic no, it was yeah. good. I, I enjoyed this last section. I uh, I had some what the fucks and some oh and some what the fuck again. I had some you better not. You better don't, not. Don't don't you Fonda. <laughs> <laughs> some of those, but yeah, it was it was a, We're really good with our words. <laughs> it was a good one. Yeah, I mean it's more articulate more <laughs> articulate than I think I could be with it. I was <laughs> Yep. <laughs> That's about how I felt most of the time. PJ, we didn't ask last week. How's your new home? My new home is is great. I'm really enjoying it. Are you There's tired of moving space? yet? Yeah. Absolutely. Are you going to become a minimalist and get rid of all your shit? Uh, most of my shit's in Minnesota already. Still, oh, okay. so kind of. But I'm liking the house. I'm liking the city. The puppies are loving the backyard, which is a lot bigger, which is nice. So nice. overall, it has been a pleasant move. Very good. Yeah. So, also, where are you? I'm in Eugene, Oregon now. Eugene. Oh yeah, my brother went to Portland State. I gotcha. got up there. 
Nice. The trains, I almost got hit by a train. The trains just like go the like sidewalk level on campus. I have not experienced that yet. But yep. sometimes yep. I can hear the trains from my house. Keep so. your headphones low. <laughs> Head on swivel. Oh, no. Yes. Don't good to yeah, know. PJ, don't don't get hit by a train. You're just like a little bit though. <laughs> I don't think you want to get hit by a train, <laughs> even a little bit. Excellent. Okay, so let's talk about what we're drinking today since I went in reverse order for some fucking reason. Just show goes to show we're recording two of these in a week. Two of these within uh, 56 hours, technically. Some some crazy like that. I don't know. There's a lot, but we're here. Like First off, we didn't yesterday. assign a featured cocktail. Did anyone make something cool? We didn't, we didn't ask about it ahead of time. Cool. <laughs> I made a cocktail. I made... <laughs> <laughs> nice. Thomas, what'd you make? <laughs> I made a Leeds New York mule. I guess you would call it. It's got some gin. 1.5 ounce, it says. I don't know. I eyeballed it. Ice, tall glass, hibiscus ginger beer, which is, I thought it'd be a pinkish. It's very red. Ooh, it's on a little nice. pinker from the ice and a lime. Nice. Very nice. We should call and it's, it. It's a little um, spicy, which is weird. Hmm. What's fuck, the Ortukan refugee? No, I was. Oh. <laughs> Rones kneecaps. What's the, what's the oath? <laughs> oh, my get... life for the clan and the pillar is its master. <laughs> yeah, I think we did. I did my blood for the pillar already with a different red. Oh, you did. Oh, okay, sorry, I fucked it up. But a good one, nonetheless. That's that's Do great. Do like finish the book, and I can't remember the thing that everyone repeats forty I think, times. <laughs> I mean, we're all emotionally run out from this week's reading, so I don't blame you at all. Thank you. As stated by the words during the "How do we feel?" You know, yeah. I think that also, gets across. Before we jump into this, I'd like to point out at the end, end, end. After the after credits, there's a excerpt. The Rage of Dragons preview, and The Rage of Dragons is such a good book, and I just I love that a little piece of it's in this book. How cute! Good All of our authors are friends. No, seems like it. Our favorite <laughs> authors are friends. It's so cute. Never heard of The Rage of Dragons. Evan Winter, The Rage of Dragons. It is a very good book. I've only read the first hundred or so pages, and I don't know why I ended up putting it down. I think it was for a book that I had to read for the show, or because the I promised. Cross, keep reading. I will. Don't be a quitter. I will. Also, the audiobook's really good. the The narrator oh, is like a like a I don't know, <laughs> smoky Batman voice. <laughs> Ma- Batman voice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. PJ, what are you drinking? I have a nice artisanal tea by Lipton. Uh, this is definitely artisanal. <laughs> no tea free with lemon. At... <laughs> <laughs> and uh, unbranded tap water. <laughs> well, Straight from well the pipes executed. of Portland. Hmm? Pipes of Portland water. Probably like not. Eugene. Eugene. It's. It's near Portland. Yeah. Is it? The same water comes from the, yeah. the water <laughs> reservoir. Portland Eugene. and Eugene both have pretty damn good tap water, though. God bless. I will say that. 
Yeah, it's like the for, for, further, <laughs> further north the you go. The further north you go, yeah, man. A boot. The cleaner the water tastes. And the more into Texas you go, the more it tastes like dirt. Ben, what are you having today? Another grab bag um, special? Yes. No, he brought these. I did bring these, but I'm working my way through various seltzer cocktails. Ooh. And today we have a Topo Chico. Mar- Topo uh, Chico. Hard seltzer cocktail. It is the tropical pineapple flavor. It's Ooh. lovely. I already drank a strawberry hibiscus flavor, and it was extremely good. Is that one the vodka? Or, or that's tequila. This is margarita. Yeah, so I'm assuming tequila. tequila. They're really good. I lo- I like Topo. Chico's. They are very good. I would nice. recommend highly. This is the variety pack. I think the other ones were like regular margarita and prickly pear, and then. Like I said, the strawberry hibiscus was lovely. Yes, I've had that. I think those are my favorite cocktails in a can, quote unquote. I don't think I've tried I'm that. having uh, coconut water because I'm still sick. Vita Coco. <laughs> and it is a 33 ounce. Jeez. Sick boy. Lots of water. I, I might need to be the piss boy this episode. I tried one of those <laughs> once and was just like, this is gross. I'm not a fan. My husband calls it cum water. Wow. That was graphic. <laughs> Thank you, John. You can call it very can cool. You, can you beep it? <laughs> beep water. Fits and no one will know. <laughs> we can do it in post. <laughs> but I Bleep. have you ever bought a coconut like on the beach and drank all of it? You feel so good. Mm. Like I don't do coconuts. I'm not. I don't like coconuts. Well, sorry. How about them coconuts? You want to get coconuts? We talk about anyone's coconuts. No, I think there's just a dick in hand this week. I think that's all we get. It's talk in hand. Thank <laughs> yeah. you very much. And talk it's in hand. Whatever. Weird. I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> it is very weird. We'll talk about that. <laughs> I am having a gin and tonic with grenadine because I didn't actually have tonic, so I made it with soda water and syrup nice. so it's effectively you know the same thing not quite but it's close it's also Taste red bread. yeah two we're almost twins. Twins. grenadine yeah yeah we're almost twinning almost i i thought that you when you went in with your recipe i was like oh did he also and you did ginger beer versus a tonic so we went in similar directions but not quite the same not you could quite. have been red drink sisters no. almost were almost were alas All right, with that Alas, poor Yorick, I knew thee well. With that, let's, uh, let's get into our chapters. To start off with, we've got this third interlude here, The Cursed Beauty. We get an interesting piece of history again from 800 years prior, wherein an Eleusian explorer named Gabaret finds out firsthand what happens when you steal jade. <laughs> we kind of get some of the, maybe some like cultural basis for some things. We get like, I don't know. I think like an, an interesting alt world correction on Christopher Columbus. It feels like to some degree. Yeah, I don't know what you guys think. You get it's pretty some cool pirate shit. Mm-hmm. The mutiny. Oh yeah, I want to see some James Cameron deep sea exploration to recover that jade <laughs> at the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> Next book. Nice. Yeah, I kind of feel like they were telling us so that someone finds it later you think that's coming back i don't know deep sea diving for the shades store down there you think anyone's already done it mm. you gotta that's fight I just off feel like the, the jade infused sea monsters first 
I feel like submersible technology is not quite there yet. I just feel like, you know, 800 years ago, there's so much, there's so many easier ways to get jade at this point. Yeah, you don't need jade at the bottom of the sea. But who knows? I don't know. Desperate. Who's who's to say that Barrow isn't going to do that in the next book? <laughs> Barrow doesn't seem to care about Jade anymore. Barrow they don't want no Jade. He said, I don't want no Jade. That's true. So this this is pretty straightforward. There's really not a whole lot here. Do you guys have anything else to pull from from this? I mean, obviously, this gets into some of the history with the, the idea of the cursed beauty and this idea of this mythical faraway land that has this in the context of the god falling on the ocean, yada, yada, yada. I mean, the Abuke have never been treated well, ever, True. it seems. Historically, so famously. That, yeah. that hasn't changed. It was kind of like, uh, oh, or if you're going to oppress and steal from people, then you deserve the itches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad they got some comeuppance on that situation. Like, right some away, puppets. too. I'm sorry. I thought it was interesting that they seemed to be experiencing some like jade madness some jade fever before even touching the jade or like before most of them had touched the jade in any way once they were on the ship i thought that was cool and interesting mm-hmm. For although sure. given how previous colonial interactions with indigenous populations have gone who's they probably did touch jade in some form before setting sail Probably true. Yeah. Rough. It totally fits that narrative of, of like sailing east to the islands too, especially if you like take a peek at the map with Eleusius being kind of the, the southern <coughs> equivalent near nearish to Espenia. It has that sort of, oh, we just kind of went around and ran into the island and did the same thing that, you know, yeah. Accidental discovery BS. So cool. All right. Okay. Are all of us coughing variously Uh-oh. for other I reasons? You, Is ben I got okay? you sick, Thomas. No, it's just I allergies. I told y'all. Oh, yeah, you did say that. And that brings us to chapter 54. The body doesn't lie. Sone tomorrow steps out of his bathroom to find now Suensen, horn of the mountain, waiting for him. After a change and discussion of the Ortecoan Conflict Refugee Act, now murders the former chancellor in order to turn the vote in the mountain's favor tough for me once again i gotta open up here one of my favorite side-ish characters just dead gone hate it yeah it was pretty scary yeah mm-hmm. yeah there's something going on this fucking guy mountain guy <laughs> now swinson yeah he's fucking a weirdo yeah he seems like he's very creepy mm-hmm. <laughs> that's number one of my notes now swinson <laughs> is creepy <laughs> yes, exactly. I fucking hundred percent agree with that. Is uh, he the one that they say can dull his aura? Kind of dull his aura. Yeah, like, I'm. I'm curious about that. I and how that works. Dull, and then does how does he know about? Does he can he like look perception powers too? Right? Well, like does he know about the clogged artery from medical records, or like he can like sense it? That's a good question. It seemed like that's they ultimately had, the question. Then records. We do get later. He's like, your blood pressure increases. Your eyes are twitching. Like he's got X-ray vision on this fucking guy that's lying. There's major HIPAA violations going on here. He's like Superman. <laughs> he can see through walls and other things. Just like it's like uh, the end of Limitless when he touches <laughs> De Niro's chest. He's just like your heart. It's just got a murmur. Everything's gonna be okay. You got about six months to live. That's what our guy now <laughs> Suen's in is doing. That's to my oh, notes. Yeah. 
Deep Cut, Thomas. Listen, Bradley Cooper. Luminous? I've seen it once. Uh, I've seen it remember. once. Wow. But yeah, I the minute, you know, I knew right away that Son Tomorrow was not long for this world. Yeah. Oh, he was dead. Like he said, he was like, I, you know. Better than average chance of dying, I think he says. So. Dying. Yeah. He could have at least rung an alarm bell so then people would know that he was murdered. Yeah, he would know it's to rest at least. Well, Good point. At least now let's sewn change. Pretty pretty decent of him, I guess. Doesn't have to die naked and fat, just fat. <laughs> Which I mentioned because it's mentioned constantly, and I guess I now realized there was a point to constantly calling out his weight. <laughs> so that when he has a weird valve situation and it's believable to the reader. Hey, you can have a weird valve no matter how much you weigh. True. Mm-hmm. Poor guy. But yeah, yeah. I feel like and... sorry, just the way this breaks down, like there's not too much mystery about the motivation behind it. Now pretty much lays it out, Sone lays it out, and then it's ultimately revealed to us a few times in the remaining chapters. Yeah. Tough. This this is the chapter where I come to love now Swenzen because of how menacing and like foreboding he is, and just the way that he's like quietly we, we've we've called him creepy, but I, I think that it takes the step beyond creepy of like, you're fucked up, dude. Like a lot of the other gang people are like pushing on some some different buttons. This guy is like the evil version of a person that Andon wants to avoid being is kind of the way that that he pops up in my head. Like This is kind of what Andon would be afraid of becoming. Kind of the antithesis of what Andon wants to become by the end of this. Yeah, right, right. This is this is the Jade Fever fear. Yeah, cold-hearted monster, totally Aaron. Yeah, but I don't it's, I think it's more calculating than Jade Fever. Yeah. He's just like Oh no, he's I, like I'm not suggesting that. Well, I don't think there's yeah. any I'm not like, suggesting that at all. I don't think it's Andon like at all though. I don't cuz there's no greed in it. It's all serving that like it's all like his duty to his clan and his mission. It's not to kill in order to he likes killing. It's not he likes getting Jade. It's all <laughs> duty it seems like and he's just willing to do literally anything but i don't i don't get any greed behind this it just seems like they say he's it's like it's like the black eyes of a shark he's just like yeah he's just (laughs) nom nom i kill you he like it doesn't feel what we've come to understand of like how a horn conducts it themselves this doesn't fit that, and it's it's like, how does he it's, run the rest of his fingers and fists, and are they creepy too? <laughs> it seems, he seems kind of like what Hilo envisions Tar being as the new role of Pillarman. Like, high-level spycraft operator, sketchy shit, not afraid to break ice show to do what they need. Only he's good at it, and Tar is good at the brutal parts, but maybe not the subtle parts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's all I got. Excellent. All right. Well, obviously, we end with his his death, which is unfortunate as he gets channeled into and absolutely murdered, you know, as it goes. Cross, it was a heart attack. Oh, right. Right. I'm so sorry. You're right. He died. Natural causes. Totally. (laughs) Took minutes to figure that out. Minutes. Whole minutes. (laughs) All right. With that, we'll go into chapter 55 here. Final preparations. 
This chapter feeds us the plan. Anden and Ron Toro are going to carefully assassinate Zapunio using his own hubris against him in a fake interview. And Anden is destined to return home, leaving behind Port Massey, a place he unexpectedly grew to love in the wake of this event. Still front and center in his mind is Corey. And so despite the breakup, he writes him a letter explaining why he had to in the first place. So we've got our plan here, of course, to take out Zapunio. We kind of see this. As, as sort of it unfolds throughout the week. So this isn't something that we need to linger a whole on. But I love the focus again on the use of media to tell a story here and the way that the game has really changed. Like using this media exposure seems to be a recurring theme of the entire book of the way that media is used to manipulate messages and can be used to manipulate people in general. It's a very different game than what we were playing in Jade City. Further modernizes the war and the, the conflicts in general. Not that propaganda and, and media manipulation hasn't been in use for a long time, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, right. I th- it's just a different play for a gang. Yeah, I think it also, unless Ben and Aaron want to chime in, I think it speaks to the growing like media presence and awareness that everybody has of Hilo and Shay, too. Just, you know, they're new to the role, they were underlings, and, and then now it's been like six, six plus years in their roles much more public figures and it makes sense that they're being attacked more in the media in Shay's case earlier in the book but then now also Hilo has that more knowledge about how to use things to his advantage and on the other side of that too Zapunio is trying to emulate the pillars in the Greenbone clans as much as possible from the Uiwin Islands and kind of copy the the structure the style and sort of all of the different things in, in his own in his own way. And so it makes sense then too that he's like, oh, I get a chance to like be legitimized. I'll take that mm-hmm. chance. I also love the notes here that we get on the Imagine Family phone calls from Andon and like listening to the other people of the other side. And it becomes very clear that he just longs for that familial connection in a in a huge way and wishes that he could be there. Yeah, like picturing them in the room. He's definitely ready to be back. Um, but he also likes Port Massey now in its own way. So it's being torn between two lives. And a noise, tragic figure. And like he's changed a lot <laughs> since he moved. So, you know, he's probably worried about what that means when he comes home. True. And who will suck his dick in KCON? Golly, like, <laughs> gotta figure that out. It's an important question. It's ultimately a really big deal. PJ, you look like you had a dick sucking comment. I, well, I'm just wondering <laughs> if, if he'll be able to take advantage of the brothels in the city. There you go. I hope so. Hope they've got something for our boy. Fair. But seriously, you know, it's interesting to see him longing for it now. And then when we see it later, when he actually comes back and him seeing how everything's changed. So it wasn't even like exactly the way he imagined it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah that return the return being a big part of the the want or the desire of something it it never living up to that expectation yeah yeah we get a lot of that that expectation differential this week here which is a big big part of his story at the very least so there's the letter to Corey, of course and leaving his family and friends and everyone else behind that he has come to love this is sort of that duality that we were talking about what do you guys think of the the letter to Corey specifically? Anything that stood out to you? Any any feelings in general? Was it too beggy? Was it you know? Do you, do you the letter always idea? seems like a good idea in a 
broken relationship situation. I feel like it never quite works out the way that you want it to. (laughs) But But, like Corey didn't really let him explain and Anne didn't really put the right things into words. So I think the letter's good to like maintain some type of friendship. I was going to say this particular letter, (laughs) he didn't go too like far one way or the other. And he wasn't Mm -hmm. like too much of a bitch about it. Yeah, he wasn't simping too hard. Yeah, so I think this was about as good as of a of a as like as good as a letter could go in this type of situation. But regardless, the letter never hits the way you want the letter to hit. Yeah, Is that from I was going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of proves his inexperience in relationships in general. It also just kind of didn't go anywhere, but I could see it paying off in the next book as like a means of maintaining some sort of friendship with Corey, like not not leaving things unsaid, potentially, maybe, but I'm kind of in Ben's camp here. Like it's a little futile and never goes the way that you want it to. Sounds like a good idea. Never functions. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. Of course, he comes to accept what's going to happen to him or the potential for what's going to happen to him as they go to execute this plan with Zapunio that we see over the next couple of chapters. But I love the quote here. And there's just a lot of beautiful imagery and a lot of quotes that I pulled this week because there are just so many damn good ones. But Andon had been indoctrinated since childhood with the idea that for green bones, the possibility of death was like the weather. You could make attempts to predict it but you would be likely be wrong and no one would change their most important plans due to the threat of rain. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's a good one. Yeah, that was a pretty, pretty dope quote. When I read that, I was like, Roan's dying. <laughs> you did? <laughs> was that your reaction? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. But I thought Wynn was going to die. Then Wynn did yeah. die. Yeah, yeah. Technically, That's she true. did. Yeah, then he survived. I was like, oh, he survived. Then I was like, oh, fuck, he didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Keep your gloves on, my boy. He just needs to walk around with those gloves on. I know. I think that we can get that. We can have that conversation later. (laughs) I was like, why the fuck did he take the Yeah. Put it back on when you're like chilling. Fucking pocket. Like, what are we doing? Keep the pen on you at least. Like, what's up? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah given what they were going through absolutely and they're stressed out of it being yeah we'll get there we will get there. <laughs> i do have one more thing on this chapter that we alluded to before we got into discussing the book and it's because it's fucking wild and it has to be talked about because it's weird and it this is the dick lying awake with his cock in his hand Andon would groan <laughs> with the childish childishness of the thought and with the simultaneous depressing certainty that he doomed himself to be alone forever who's never going to find anyone else like Tori who wouldn't even talk to him anymore. And it's just... It's just sad what are masturbation. We doing? It's just, <laughs> what are we doing, Andy? I don't like this at all. It was quite jarring when I read that line. I said, for sure. yeah. did, did we need this? <laughs> are you guys you saying know what? you, don't, yes, you never did. sad masturbate? <laughs> <laughs> don't answer that. Tears are great lube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I gotta go 
It's been, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> you brought it up. I didn't bring you up that. You gotta go be I, a sad, sad boy in your room alone. I was talking about how this, this it was a weird thing to happen in this book, and you're talking about mm-hmm. you took it to another level. I will not take any blame for where that went. <laughs> That's all. I reject it. Part of who I am. It's true. We cannot be stopped. You summoned us. But Thomas. Yes. I agree. It was like, oh, oh, okay. It was another one where I was like listening outside and I was like, boop. I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> okay. Look around. Oh, did anyone else hear that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just an audible. Hey, yo. <laughs> okay. But yeah, that was my last note, which seemingly brings us to chapter 56. No surprise. Did another now Suen's in chapter here, though we initially open with Ven Haku, son of Ven Sando, who's plotting his coup of Aitmata with five trusted under- underlings at a nightclub in a mountain-controlled part of Janloon. The steamers are interrupted by the appearance of now the first fist of the mountain and several other fists who execute Haku and all but two of his friends. Then we jump to Aitmata, interrupting a K-Star freighting board meeting to let Ven Sando know that the jade is up. K-Star is under new management, and he is going in the ground. If you're no peak here, it's not what you want. If you're the Sando <laughs> family, it's not what you want. You can't be surprised, though. No. They got got. And, like, is Ven Haku, like, is meeting in a public place like this really that smart? Maybe got the go soundproof like- rooms, I guess. Sure, but can you all like sneak away to like an abandoned building? I don't know. Can you go on your dad's e fucking yacht in the middle of the sea? <laughs> there you go. I'd be surprised if he doesn't have a yacht of his own. Yeah, right. Like a safer place for secret meetings. I'm just saying, like Hilo, they didn't have great options for the two. They know the Tobins are a little. They didn't have great connections there. The E's are loyal to might or to might to Ite, and. So this was kind of the best option available, but we know the dad's not that good at this. We already knew the son didn't seem that good at it. I think here he comes across a little better despite his flaws than he did upon the first meeting when he just seemed like a total fuckboy. At least he tried to do a little subtle scheming, but just wasn't the best at it. It reminds me of... Never mind, that's a spoiler for a show. Yeah, Mm -hmm. don't do that. Yeah, I didn't really have ever have much faith in the... Vin family and pulling the situation off. What I was surprised about was how surprised Hilo was. Yeah. It was like, come on, dude. On, dude. Did you really think this was going to work? Yeah, that was mm. my thought, too, because it's we did all these stories even before we see it in action about now Suenson's famous perception and how he can seemingly read minds. And you got someone that you think is an idiot leading the true attempt against him that works for him. So it's like, I don't know that we want these guys in close contact like that. Also, seeing how quickly they were all dispatched. Yeah. How'd they think they were going to succeed in this? I get this is kind of rushed. I think that they were just so cowed by now Suenzen and his reputation. When he shows up, they're just like, fuck, we're like, we're fucked. It's we're not because only Haku tried to fight them even. What was their plan, though? Was their plan to like avoid now? All together? I think so. It, it seemed like they were just okay. going to ambush Ait and then hope for the best. Hope that once she was dead, everyone would just kind of fall in line. 
which it's like and they even said like kill her, her first yeah like kind of knowing that they wouldn't make it through everyone right yeah. it just seems like we need more than Cynthia made it through out. her at all yeah no she was just <laughs> brutal efficiency in this situation too she's just like well kind of like when her father died just okay we'll kill everyone yeah. <laughs> I just love her showing up and being so business like just being like yep we got you yep you're gonna die all right well your wife and kit and your daughters are exiled but stay. we're killing everyone else <laughs> sorry sorry um, if, you, if you're a boy your name dies with you're you. dead yeah <laughs> yeah good luck you I, fucked up <laughs> i had two last now notes before we did tonight the first was the there was sort of horror movie vibes in the did you perceive that line and it's plus it's just like the realness of it it's just another sense to them so it's like instead of did you hear that did you perceive right. that and then they all just go silent <laughs> show did and then there's just oh boy. our boy now suing Zen just eerie yeah extremely again same sort of thing where it's just like you're on a different fucking level of this game man yeah I'm glad that finally paid off with him just like hearing about him mm-hmm. and actually seeing him in action yeah but they built him up this whole book and then instead yeah. Dante Ash we see it a couple times throughout the first book and then it pays off at the end when we see and then dispatch him and it, we were like okay that was cool that was a worthy fight going on right now it's like oh shit this guy really is nice and the mountain is still fucking shit up yeah they're just fucking mountain is really fucking good at this shit I matter she's good she's good good still bay still bay <laughs> yeah that's actually sort of my note is that it takes over or like you know retakes over and re-solidifies herself as the baddest motherfucker around. Just rolls into a board meeting of the biggest company in Taton, maybe? Like, top five, it seems like. Huge company. Dismisses the board and is like, yeah, got your son's head in a box. What up? She's like, but I won't open it. But it's in there. Pretty pretty nice of her. Huh? <laughs> You're going to die, too. Yeah. She walks in. She's like, hey, yep, we're selling the company. You're dead. Here's your son's head. <laughs> your other sons nice are dead. Day. <laughs> I wonder mm. how many sons he had. Do we know? I don't. I'm sure they probably is mentioned offhand when we first meet them, but I don't recall. Yeah, because I was thinking when she said that, I'm like, oh, I guess you don't want to have a lot of kids because <laughs> they're all forfeit. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised she let the wife and daughters live at all why is that i mean she's she's exhibited ruthlessness constantly Mm -hmm. why open any doors to like a path of revenge in general yeah and she's also exhibited like don't underestimate the female heir of somebody because they can Mm -hmm. fuck shit up right and yeah. and oh, you're leaving people alive that now have a reason to want to avenge their family. Who can yeah. pretty easily go to like down the street to the family that wants the same thing. Like I'm sure they have a lot of really great information <laughs> that you know, they could share. Ite Mod is canceled for being sexist. <laughs> gotcha, I we gotcha. We got her. Uh, I did want to make mention because Aaron asked 
the question. Three sons, two daughters. Okay. Brutal. The one had already died, so just two more. Do you think Yeah. she will keep her word to let them be buried with their jade? Seems like it. Why not? I don't know. She she seems to like having it. it around. I know. And she's not like superstitious or like she doesn't seem to care what the gods think. Mm-hmm. So why not just take more? <laughs> right. Like I'm not even necessarily to wear, but just to use as a resource. I don't think she's struggling for Jade. Right. But I mean, she hasn't been yeah. and she, they've already done other things to get every piece they can. Yeah, that's fair. But uh, yeah, I'm not like a stippler to it. I, I was know. just curious. It just seemed like a, I could see it. I also don't think she's the kind of person that would bother saying that if she didn't intend to, like, what 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 would that do? Mm-hmm. Maybe, I don't know. yeah. Yeah, especially because Sando doesn't seem, <laughs> she remarks he has a tiny amount of jade. He's not, he doesn't have a lot of bite in him from the looks of it. Mm-hmm. I think it also, it goes, like, kind of hand in glove with the not opening the head, the box that has his son's head in it. It's just like it's a little gauche. She's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna kill your male heirs. I'm gonna kill you, but I'm not gonna strip them of their jade. That's crazy. That's nuts. That's beneath me. I'll strip them of their heads. Yeah, that's fine. That's in line. What's in the box? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think he opens it? it Seem like it, right? I don't know. But like after the scene, do you think he opens it mm. before he dies? Doubt it. Mm. I think he knows that Ait's not a bluffer. Yeah, I don't think he'd do that to himself. Yeah. I don't know. Look into it and then get your head chopped off at the same time. Feels feels good. I do that. That's just, just for weird, the though. you know for the, for the moment, you know. For the sad boy, just make it epic. You like yeah. now Swenson and now this? Like I'm kinda worried about Cross. I <laughs> this you just be. now. <laughs> <laughs> Do you expect him to, uh, like, hold it like Yorick? Yes, exactly. <laughs> and then get his head sliced off. I just like he moment. just holds it to be or not to be. <laughs> and then dead. dead. Nice, James. And then toast. Yeah. But yeah, that's all I have, really. I know that we talked a little bit about now Swenson being brutally efficient, but how about with those leftover fingers and fists, right? He's got the five guys in the room, kills three of them. Because he can tell in their hearts that <laughs> they're lying. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Good, good point bringing that up. How can he tell? I, Wouldn't your heart be beating minds. really fast either way? They didn't mean it. How how can he tell? He's feeling out their jade auras. He's molesting their jade auras. What? jeez. Oh, <laughs> that's too much. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's wrong, though. <laughs> I don't think I don't think that's wrong at all. I was gonna make a lighthearted He's joke. He's deadling but... their auras. <laughs> his brain fingers are going into their into their yeah, auras. D- diddling. We're gonna get <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> this is the episode. Do it, folks. <laughs> Let's go out with a bang, as they say. I feel uncomfortable uh, once again. <laughs> and then the the two others that that ultimately give up their ears and they're assigned out of the city. I just I appreciated the way in which this was this act of rebellion was handled. I mean, a again, like you had mentioned, Thomas, incredibly efficiently. But then also, it really kind of paints the picture of like there can still be life after a grievous wrong, as long as you truly, you know, give up, repent, repent for life. I would like see the error of your ways. It would be sick to see 
how he can just perceive so much, even if it's not like everything, like a training montage of him as a boy under Shatarian occupation, but just to see it now would be cool. He was locked in a sewer for 31 days, fed gator scraps, just chewed on raw gator, got pieces of jade from the inside from consumed abacate kids. And then trained himself in person. I don't know. What <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> We're on to the next All right, chapter. With that, get out of here. Chapter 57. <laughs> Emergencies. With Wen away in Espenia, Hilo is left to watch and take care of the kids. After a bit of play, Hilo is pulled away by a call from Juan explaining the death of Ven Sondalon and the conspirators, as well as Ait solidifying of her base within the mountain between the Iwis and the Kobans. After getting off the phone, Nico tells Hilo that Rue swallowed some jade buttons. After rushing to the hospital and quick treatment, Hilo is informed that his son Rue is in fact a stone eye. Further, we also learn that Zerpunio is going to be out of reach and Hilo cancels the planned assassination. I love this chapter. I think it's, I, I reread it all three times this week in preparation and in the two days, listened through it twice. And I, I found myself each time picking up very small details throughout in this section that I, I really appreciated. And I love how Hilo gets to play dad, you know, and it's just it's it's nice that he like also knows his kids better than we may have even anticipated or expected. Irresponsible dad. Yeah, Hilo is. It's good. Look, it's not his fault. Stupid kids. I just feel like it's this very I got dad really, vibes. Ah, uh, man, I was 70s. <laughs> <laughs> I was full on American gun problem in this. Like, lock up your jade. That too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Poignant. Well, it was like uh, some buttons. There's so much jade around. I mean, I was like, this is dangerous hey, weapon. Ben, accidents happen. <laughs> I There's have... a reason why every boy in the world has the stitches under their chin. I do not. Okay. Accidents happen. Not clumsy. Never gotten <laughs> stitches because I'm terrified. Weird. I have a take about. (laughs) (laughs) I have a question and possible take. So the jade buttons were in the study, right? And it was it was Lon's former study, so presumably his old desk. Sure. So it's just like I don't know. I found it like there was the jade and a sudden thing after like the jade had been there for years and now it's coming back to haunt them and then now like it was sort of like the letter had been there for years coming back to haunt not haunt them but it just gave me there's like I, a weird I sort of think, parallel that to that i don't think that's a true parallel because the them finding the buttons on on the false clothing mm-hmm. that happened more recently no that it, happened years like, ago now but more recently easy. than any of Lon's stuff. Also, if they don't, don't the tell them, what? if they don't tell them the story about burying a guy alive with jade in his mouth, does this happen as well? Fucking Tar's fault. Yeah, I agree. I think they were they were pretending. Hundred percent. They were pretending to kill each other. I'm putting this on the parental figures. Damn it, Uncle Tar. <laughs> Definitely Tar's fault. <laughs> <laughs> Why couldn't Tar have died and Ken have stayed alive? God damn it. God damn. Yeah, I to to your point, Thomas, I, I think that the one thing that did change between the offices is they found the letter when they were cleaning out the office and the desk and replacing everything in the room. Okay. So it does have sort of that parallel, despite the fact that they found the buttons, you know, 
they they liberated the buttons at the beginning of this book and it's been like two and a half three years since so it's, it has been sitting in that room in that same room so maybe there is something of a curse there but you know i don't know it's one of those things where it's like how much superstition do we place on the book that has a bunch <laughs> of superstitions in it and with characters that do and don't believe in those superstitions it's it's interesting i just thought it was weird that mm-hmm. both like twice in this book yeah. both having to do with nito there was things that sat in this desk unthought of for years and then suddenly come into play. Yeah. But Nico's not the one getting poisoned. Nope. No. He's no. the one poisoning. Before <laughs> yeah, before we get to Nico and the poisons, which sounds like a kick-ass bad band name, let's, uh, let's go over to Jwen. And it's really interesting how he's done such a wonderful job replacing Ken. But there's still, like, obviously in Hilo's head, there's this sense of missing and longing. And, you know, that's where that desire for, for revenge comes from. But Yeah, him picking Joanne's up the phone up. and being like, why is Joanne calling me? Oh, yeah. That's sad. Right. Hashtag sad. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, sad. Sad boy. Sad boy. Uh, we get some reflection as well, obviously, over the phone with Joanne about the downfall of the Vens and all of that carefully careful planning going to waste. This entire chapter is basically careful planning gone to waste in in all and many forms. But that one in particular, you know, like we had mentioned before, Hilo is a little bit more shocked than I would anticipate, you know, in, in this regard of like, well, they weren't he took too long to do it to begin with. So what would you expect? You know, should have hedged his expectations a little bit more. But I agree. Put too much faith in. And not enough faith in the fact that Aitmata is has been two steps ahead the whole time. He doesn't like want to give her the respect. It was a dice roll. It was a good dice roll, but it was a dice roll nonetheless, and it didn't hit. Yeah. Move on. It's not like he lost anything out of it. Just they did. They died. Well, he lost his like only scheme. Well, it's like, <laughs> it was a house money scheme, I feel like. Succession scheme. Yeah. It's a hard word. Succession. Great show. Yeah, I it's it's one of those things too where he was orchestrating so many of these different sides and I had obviously I, I think this comes up much later, so I don't want to go into this too much, but I was wondering why he was so quiet. And so it comes to roost here that she's finally found out why. And, you know, that led to that suspicion that maybe flagged and and caught them instead. So if Hila was putting more pressure on him, maybe she wouldn't have felt that, but or found it out. So, yeah. Rue takes a trip to the hospital, of course, after swallowing some stones and Nico covering his mouth, (laughs) which is it's a a very it's a very childish thing. Well, it's the whole bury him alive thing. This did not feel good. Which, yeah. that was also, like, a year ago at this point, because Tar's been dead, or Ken's been dead, they say, over a year. So, kids had a long memory for that one. Yeah. Moot's also toast at this point in the ground, so. We think. Fuck y'all. Assumes. We assume. Highly dead. It's gotta be dead. Highly dead. High-key dead. dead. High-key dead. But as he goes in for treatment, we get the update from Shay about Zapunio and pulling the plug in the plan, ultimately, you know, and, and the sort of decision of the pillar to not go forward that leads into what we're going to what we're going to talk about for most of the rest of this this episode. 
So don't need to dig into that too much. But I find it interesting that he decides, you know, to pull this with caution and to be willing to take another year or two to kind of extract that vengeance. Just goes back to last week's chapter, Patience, and how he's changed as a person. Yeah, I think that shows Hilo's growth a lot. He's not hot-headed about it. He's calculating. Agreed. I was I was impressed by that, actually. I was like, oh, wow. Especially considering how many things he's juggling. It's definitely a different person than who we initially met at the beginning of the first book. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's shifted from a, a young 20-something with a hot streak to uh, to a low 30s, early 30s sort of buttoned up work guy. That's such an, when he's just, you know, looking at his sons and he's thinking about Andin, that got me. That got me right in the heart. He just doesn't want to push him away again. And it that really shows the growth. And I think, you know, especially we get his sadness over Ken, one of his brothers, not here anymore. And he is having trouble adjusting to that still even. And then now here's his other brother who he, to some degree, pushed away. And he's like, can't lose him. Mm-hmm. Well yeah. sad. Yeah. Unwilling to lose him in an assassination attempt like mm-hmm. that, for sure. So rounding the corner on the hospital trip itself, I, I find... Kilo's response to his son being revealed as a stone eye to be reminiscent of the same sort of protective note that we kind of talked about with Andin. He's he's all about preserving his family now. He's really kind of changed in a big way where I think, you know, if you would have had this kid at the beginning or in the middle of Jade City, it would have been a very different kind of beast of parent. He He's much more seeking to preserve life than ha- place some sort of unguided expectation upon his upon his kid or maybe it's just that he's dealing with the reality i did want to bring up before we dive into kind of that we asked the question very early on in either jade city or jade war about specifically children's exposure to jade and i did have to pull my answer from the section and then reword it on the fly when when you guys were spouting off stuff about the kids (laughs) but yeah that was from this book when she's at the spa yes yeah you're right yeah yeah, I that makes me very mad because you, some I forget who of you, but you ended up being right. That, that was me, Stone Eye, but for the wrong reasons, and that's the worst type of right, and it makes me mad every time. <laughs> Why for the wrong reasons? What would you I say? I was just right. Period. You can say that because the assumption was that because she's handling Jade, it could lead to the kid being a Stone Eye because she mm. might not be reactive, but the fetus could. Well. Yeah, also, like, what if you wear jade and you are pregnant? Is your fetus protected? I guess so. I would imagine the culture that has grown with jade for hundreds of years would know that and take the necessary precautions, if that were the case. I just think it would be no. I still see pregnant ladies smoking. I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) I've Uh, seen it. Oh, I I was right. Regardless, Ben was right. (laughs) Again. (laughs) <laughs> All right, man. I'm just getting back into Rue. As soon as I know, I like, I get it. It's a stressful situation and there's a lot of things going on. But as soon as Hilo made no mention of a Jade aura irradiating from the kid, I'm like, this kid's a stone eye going into it. So I think probably 
he expected something like that as well, and that tempered his reaction a little bit. I was surprised that wasn't mentioned at all, though. The lack of well, do do kids kids aren't like a conduit yet, right? Is that why they get the itches? That's kind of what the doctor said, right? Like, and what Hilo assumes to be correct is that you don't necessarily know how sensitive and Hilo. Let me see if I can find it specifically. Hilo basically says that it's like, well, you don't really, you can't really know that yet, right? And that's sort of the response that he gives. And the doctor's like, eh, you can pretty, you can pretty effectively know that after he swallowed a piece of jade and wasn't reacting to it at all. Yeah, I think they say that's sort of moderate, like little to high reactivity that fluctuates mm-hmm. would be expected, but none is only a stone I would do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which do we know if it saved his life? Strictly genetic. Has that been answered? It has it's, been repeated. It's, uh, it's unlucky. Yep. It's Tug just your ears. the curse of the guys. Okay. PJ, I would like to say, though, that's just fucked in. You were on it with that because I didn't. That wasn't on my radar at all until I was. It was like Sucker Punch, Ruse of Stone Eye. This guy fucking Sherlock Holmes reading this book or something. I don't know. I don't know. I just. There's always the like perceptions of jade auras and Hilo is vigilant about it there's also to and and this is skirting away from this just a little bit talking about the doctor himself he's afraid of bringing this up to Hilo, which kind of means that his rep Hilo's reputation really precedes him in this way that the media has sold him as this like big monster and so as though telling him that his son is a sonai is going to be the worst thing in the world which it may very well be for a number of Greenbone families, but of course, given what we know about Hilo and the way that he loves and appreciates his kids, a and his wife, are you know come from come from that, you know, I don't know. It's great to great to send it, kind of have someone else see the softy in him and come down from there. Do we think is it Gaia? What's the what's the gal's name? The girl, Jaya. 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 Do you think she's going to be a Stone Eye? I don't know. Why are you asking me, PJ? Ben, I do not ben. think so. Do you want to make a a bold prediction so that you can say you were right? I, I mean, she's going to be a green bone. She's colicky, you know what I mean. There you have it. Yeah, yeah she's. She likes bugs. Shay Junior. Who doesn't like bugs? Me. I don't me, like bugs. Me. Yeah, I think we'll see when Shay two point Hmm. Which one's Hilo? Nico. Yeah, Nico's already trying to kill people. <laughs> ben has like playing. no sympathy for a kid <laughs> acting like a kid. Children. <laughs> Gotta kill that kid. He was playing murder. He was playing murder. <laughs> well, I mean, but I did that too as a kid. Like, I'm yeah. sure yeah. there's a lot of. I knocked my brother's uh, teeth out accidentally. Permanent. Ooh, nice. <laughs> nice. You and yeah, Ashley that's... didn't, like, wrestle, did you? Oh, we sure did. Really? I got, like, the shit kicked out of me every day. We were playing murder. <laughs> every day. <Wait>, Charlie horses. <laughs> right, but this is, like, yeah, they're recreating gangster murder. Because they <laughs> were irresponsibly told them, told a story about an execution. <laughs> so... <laughs> I agree. They should not have heard the story. Yeah. We all we all agree on that. Maybe fucking tar. Got a screen. Don't tar let your stories. kids watch PG thirteen movies and don't let tar 
babysit. Tell stories. Yeah. <laughs> babysit. Not even babysit, just tell stories at the breakfast. Also, <laughs> I'm like a breakfast story. That's too much for breakfast. What are we doing? Like, I'm, he, they're eating oatmeal and he's like, I murdered a man. It's <laughs> a lot. I got him. I got him. Yeah, I don't know. I, I relate immediately on this. I remember a time when my brother was very young and my sister was building bracelets and we both got up for like two seconds and he stuck one up his nose. And every time he breathed and it was like a bead with a hole through it, every time he breathed, it just whistled. <laughs> he tried to lie about it for like a solid three minutes and then he started panicking, which feels very similar <laughs> to the way that they were reacting. And then we're panicking because we're like, are we going to get in trouble for what you sticking this fucking bead up your nose? You idiot. At least yeah. you have two nostrils. That's good stuff. Sure. All right. Final note that I just wanted to bring up here happens right near the end of this chapter. And it's that Nico feeling responsible for his cousin in the future and feeling responsible for putting him in here and being like, did I turn him into a stone eye and that sort of things. And, and Hilo kind of, you know, leaning down like a dad and assuaging that fear and saying he'll always be a stone eye. But that doesn't mean that there aren't plenty of things he can do. Look at your ma on a business trip right now doing useful work for the family and the clan, even without Jade. Hilo turned stern. You'll have to protect him, though. Keep him safe. No more scares like we had today. Understood? It's just this. I don't know. Just it's, it's a great. Hilo great daddy. Only you knew. Hilo. It got me too. Daddy. Got me in the heart. But mostly Nico finishing it with. Yes, I won't tease him anymore. I'll be a ba- I'll be a good big brother from now on. Just like <laughs> that's cute. I like that. That's mm. my little heart. It's warmed up. Bitter pat. Bitter pat. I did like the irony of him talking about Wen's position in the pl- in the clan with reverence, and it's like a quarter of what she's actually doing. Yeah, totally a fraction of it. Speaking of, brings <laughs> us right nicely into the next chapter, fifty-eight. White Rat's decision. When arrives Batcher her pit up. When arrives Batcher her hotel after a long day of designing longing for nothing more than a nap. Unfortunately, she is greeted with news that Hilo has been trying to reach her from the hospital in Jan for hours. Perceptive as ever, Wen sees through Hilo's distress once they turn on the phone about Rue's accident and Stone-Eyed's status and learns that Zapunio has seemingly eluded their grasp once more. Wen then, after taking a beat to kind of absorb everything, calls Shay we flip to the weatherman's point of view as Wen convinces her to continue the assassination plot with Wen joining the fold. Wen so, is so very here, persuasive. Yeah. I can't help but think about, like, from here on out, we get a lot of phone tag and a lot of, like, miscommunication problems. And it feels a lot like nowadays watching Seinfeld or Friends, like, if you just had a cell phone. Yeah. <laughs> or all of this could go away. <laughs> <laughs> It was tough. Agreed. Mm-hmm. But good job for Wen for stepping up. You know, yeah, it would have would have been better for her if she had like run home to take care of her kids. She's just a badass. Yeah. You knew she was gonna try to step into this role, and she's very convincing and pretty good at it. Yeah, honestly. But before she makes that decision. She's kind of rocked by the revelation that Rue that Ru is a stone eye. And I think 
you know, obviously we get Hilo's reaction to it the chapter before, and then their little discussion about it where he's had time to absorb it, and it's hitting her for the first time. And I just thought that it was so interesting to see her thought process play out. She seemed to care a lot more. Or, than Hilo did. Or at least be affected by it. She, she knows what it means, and then she even says, like, for a boy, it's even worse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That did, that part did hit me where she was thinking through that for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm sure she expects and understands that Hilo is okay with it. Like he he doesn't see it as a slight of the gods or anything like that. But it's still like the kid's going to have a tough time of it going forward, and I'm sure that's a lot of what she's feeling. Yeah, it that pain of like knowing what he's going to have to deal with and that it's all, it's going to be even worse for him mm-hmm. since he's the child, he's a man or a boy. and He could always live anywhere else and it, it wouldn't be a big deal. <laughs> I was caught off Only guard by I her apologizing God. for it though. That was very Yeah, it was kind of sad. Yeah. And then he was just kind of being annoyed because of everything he's got going on and gone through that day. Yeah, yeah. it is like you definitely wish she had just been in like Morenia and just getting home and he'd been telling her this and not across the world. Another interesting piece of this, though, is how Nico comes into play and how she talks about how she had this sort of like underlying knowledge almost that is our intuition, I guess. And that's what she thinks now compelled her so strongly to bring him back into the fold. Gotta have a male call. Interesting. Yeah, yeah that was interesting. That felt... Uh, there, there was something that... The way that was worded, and I don't know if I'm just reading too far into it, but it made me think, like, did when know that Hilo was going to kill Nico's parents? going into it she sent him there to get nico right not necessarily right. like to work it out and bring him back mm-hmm. but knowing hilo you have to know that death is always an option yeah and she knows hilo mm-hmm. and we never really we, we get shay feeling like sick to her stomach about it but we never really get when wrestling with the idea of it as far as i can recall dying yeah i had that in my mind to bring up too i thought based on this it seemed like she probably didn't bat an eye Mm. she's a lot more ruthless than i had initially (laughs) given her credit for (laughs) she's green in the soul my guy green Mm. in the soul cannot be stopped my notes jump back up too far so i'm curious based on when's thought process around in this do you think that rue being a stone eye and nico being heir apparent now to hilo do we think that's going to color her relationship with her children going forward no i think something else is but what her being paralyzed and brain dead back that her brain doesn't work correctly i think she'll recover oh okay the human body is miraculous people overcome Brain damage? Yes. And being paralyzed, people walk again. All right. Other than that, 
I would say no. I don't think she's going to treat them any differently. Yeah, especially if she had the inkling of it to begin with or had the suspicion of it. I I, I don't think it'll change anything for her. Okay. What do you think, Thomas? <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you guys. I forgot about the brain dead part when I phrased that question. <laughs> so... <laughs> Hilo said, though, she's understanding people talking, so she's Mm -hmm. not brain dead. Right. I meant the brain dead. Sounds like some stroking type situation. Yeah. Because I, full disclosure, had to dip these notes out quickly before we started because of super busy work. But Mm -hmm. yeah. So don't read too much into anything, I guess, is what I'm saying. Thanks (laughs) thanks for all your hard work, guys. It was a quick week. Woo! All right. But that brings us to. Wen's decision to go over or at least beside Hilo's head and seek permission from Shay to aid in the assassination of Zapuno. And as we It was already- interesting to me that she asked permission. Like she already had the whole idea. Mm-hmm. I th- why bring Shay into it? Yeah. That was interesting. Now that you bring that up. Mm-hmm. Maybe she needed Shay in order to get Andin, but See- Andin didn't really talk to Shay. That was my train of thought too, is that Andin like maybe to bring Andin into the fold. But then we learn that she's been like anytime she goes to Aspenius, she seeks out Andin to hang out with him. So presumably she did get in contact with him. They were on a time crunch though, and like she needed Andin and Roan to meet her at the train station mm-hmm. and then had ninety minutes of like planning. <laughs> Planning she time. just needed, yeah, to like have Shay do logistical work mm-hmm. in that time period. Mm-hmm. Also, she doesn't do white rat stuff without Shay's permission that we've seen, right? Or that we know about at least. So it seems like right. that's sort of that's their relationship true. is spy and spy handler. And it, I, it felt less like asking for permission and more like Pitching. making a case. Mm-hmm for it and like pushing her into the yeah idea i guess ultimately to gain permission so never mind but no but yeah i think me phrasing it as seek permission is kind of is maybe too aggressive too because she is leading the charge and as we touched very persuasive in her argument and maybe Mm -hmm. shay came up with part of the idea like Mm -hmm. maybe when was like let me help and then Jay like helped her work it out. Yeah, I feel like there's some logistical <laughs> stuff that needed to get worked out. How did they have that fancy pen on hand? That's just really cool. I I'm excited to talk about it. Some spy gadget shit. Yeah, but there's an interesting invoking of marrow here by both Wen and Shay, and sort of the rationale to carry through this to the end. That stick out to anyone else? Wasn't it marrow and Ken? Yeah. For so when brings it up, but then later on, when Shay's like rationalizing it to herself, she thinks about Marrow's quote that she runs the clan as much as Hilo. I just thought it was a little manipulative by when I could see that, especially because yes, Shay does effectively run the clan in tandem with Hilo, but technically. Hilo is the lead in this position. Mm-hmm. And like we need to justify going over his head. So I can see some manipulation. When's a smooth there. operator? Yeah. When's just fucking good at this? Fucking great at it. No question. 
Ugh. My last thing was just this quote from Shay that I think kind of epitomizes the whole rationale that Green Bones have for why they think they're so fucking perfect all the time. The smugglers of Puno, like the Shatorian Barracan, like the Espanian Cruz, epitomize power without honor, jade without restraint, violence without principle. And just, you know, that is very clearly mm-hmm. the differentiation. They're not following the rules. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's me. Yeah. Anytime, cool. anytime there's conversations with like a not clan member be it the the crews or Zapuno or or whoever i always think like they're hitting this honor stuff so hard for somebody who does not give a shit about that but which side yeah, doesn't constantly kind of planning hmm? i i mean i feel like the green bones mostly care about honor it's just a warped you're saying they're harping on honor but the other people don't give a fuck Okay. Exactly. Okay. Like yeah, the people they're up against don't care. Word, word, word. What's like, the point of this argument? They're not operating on the same right level of rules. Yeah, we should move engagement a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's validating their hegemony, their whole like ruling, the reason that they rule, right, and their mm-hmm. their moral compass. So mm-hmm. for them, it's it's a, oh, this is why we can do that thing. Chapter 59, From the Call Family. Just under five hours later, the plan begins to unfold. Kind of. Zapunio is late, but eventually shows up for the interview. Accompanied by his son and a retinue of guards, he steps into the room with Roan, Wen, and Andon, posing as an interview team. The plot quickly folds as Zapunio knows that Andon isn't who he says he is. The guards are quickly dispatched, and Zapunio is executed by Wen herself. They head to Star Lumber and Supply, where they are ambushed. Mm. Woo! There's a there's a lot that happens in this chapter. It's the culmination of the story that started in this book, which is this sort of foreign jade war that we've had going on with smugglers of Punio. So we we get a ton here, but I I love the casual observation that Wen has that maybe the movies are influencing the Barokan's appearances and not the other way around. Like they're they're kind of owning the look, which is weird. I thought that was good. Yeah. Life imitates art, imitates life kind of deal. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Exactly. Now that we're here, I get Roan <coughs> needing to take off his gloves just for inconspicuousness to get out of the hotel. Don't give off any Jade Aura. Just be a dude why not just immediately put them back on when you're in the car? Like that should be the default, especially because he's paranoid about people following him. He's checking constantly. Or at the very least, keep them on your person. Put the pen in your pocket. Pockets, pockets, bro. Yeah. Back pockets. If he has the the pen makes gloves in his back pockets, would he, with the jade, doesn't have to touch your skin. Weren't the gloves in the second car? They were, the, like, in the duffel bag. They're in the bag, yeah. Oh. And which tar was that in? Because there's fresh You're clothes. Right. Oh, the, sure. I don't know if I am. The, I'm asking. So, so the the big thing with, with the gloves in general, so far as I view it, is that the concern is getting stopped if, like, someone were to be on mm. to the execution or to be on there. So they has Jay's in the car. Them. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think that's the rationale. But that, for me, is the reason why the pen makes sense, to like keep the pen around. Mm-hmm. 
the gloves, I think I, w- I agree with kind of the way that they were handled or treated. Is something yeah. that is more of an accessory to throw in a bag or whatever. I but think it the was they were in the, the change center. of clothes. It is. Yeah. I just checked. It's in the hatchback. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Either way. Also, the like Andon starts just stripping the jade off the dude's earrings and then just drops him on the floor. Which completely negates the reason for leaving them in the first place. I agree. <laughs> like, yeah, like put it back in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, he like ripped them out of the ear. So it was like dark. Well, you can rip earrings out without ripping through the ear. If that makes sense. Okay. Like if you rip an earring out, the back pops off and you pull it out. Like I don't it doesn't necessarily mean you're ripping through the ear. In my that that's how I read it. Yeah. Because that's I, like, how I had his mouth earring ripped out. Oh, yeah, fair. That's brutal. Blit. I just imagine, like, I know that he just drops him on the ground, but if, if you were to rewrite the scene or if you were to reimagine it in some way, I feel like what I would do is just have, like, Ron Toro open the dude's mouth and have Andon drop him right in. Like, just <laughs> pop it open and then close it. <laughs> like, we're done. We're out of here. It's a hiding spot now. I'm sure someone would look in there. I don't know. Oh, I'm sure. The coroner. Desperate. I think, mm-hmm. I mean, the reasoning is kind of what Wen observes and it's he gave a small start as if suddenly realizing what he was holding he dropped them hastily so I think it's just like oh mm-hmm. shit I have jade in my hand I, I promise to never do this again yeah that's more mm-hmm. of the recognition for sure during all of this but still like my the Zapuno fight and then the ambush I'm just like I'm mad at Andon for being a fucking I don't know. I thought he showed out pretty well in this situation, actually. But, like, if he just had his jade, then oh, he, not all these people would I did be dying. At some point, he was going to grab jade and just start popping motherfuckers immediately. <laughs> like, Right. <laughs> yeah. That, I'm just saying it would be helpful. Yeah. If he, just, he he's a freezer, like if he could like think a little faster, grab the pen, pop some motherfuckers, then Roan might be alive. And as a when self, I get it. It's tough. But yeah, Aaron, that is very interesting because he's like he's steaming how to get Roan the gloves, how to get Roan the pen. It's like, dude, yeah. you're the right. like if you he's grab like, this, you're Roan's ten times bleeding than out, Roan. and he's like, how can I get Roan some jade? It's like, yeah. dude, you just do it. Yeah. Some of that happens in next chapter, but it does. Right. It, it's still like it still poses this question of like, this would be much easier if Andon were just, you know, holding the jade, but ultimately being respectful of what he wants, what he's trying to avoid. We finally kind of see that come to come to fruition. But at what cost? And I'm not saying like have play. jade all the time. I'm saying like just yeah. in that moment, grab it. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I guess that's next chapter. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. This is like the most action in the books all in one chapter all in one part yeah it's like there's so much shit that happens over the course of like this whole week you know we'd even debated whether or not we break it up but it's like it's also so few pages yeah. <laughs> it's like we, i don't know no i don't think do that but cross touched on i don't know if you touched on it on the pod or in the discord but these books more than any other for me as well as him like they just bleed together and so the chapter distinction even the book distinction is hard once you get further away from them but i thought some of the stuff that happened in this section happened next book and i i truly i truly thought a scene that happens in the next book happened in this book and i was like where is it at the end of the book and i went oh wait 
that's later. <laughs> what was it? I, I'm, I'm not telling you for <laughs> sure. For <laughs> sure, for sure. <laughs> I'll text you. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. Anyway, love love these books, of course. But getting back to Zapunio for just a second here before his uh, his death, I love that he still shows up despite kind of knowing and having this idea about what's what's happening and knowing that this isn't actually Kaido of whom he claims to be you know it's he, he's got this interesting mix of curiosity and hubris that concocts a dangerous sort of person and a sort of poisonous type of person it's it's interesting i think to see him act and behave this way and he doesn't know that it's Andon, right he just knows that it's not yeah he's like the journalist he just knows that he's like I'm, who are you yeah Mm-hmm. why are you here unarmed and he's like yeah you're terms. clearly not trying to kill me that was a sick line from andon i am trying to kill you that was great was, mm-hmm. yeah he's um, zubunio is powerful dude i feel like he's that was like I, a crazy display of reach just like did a yearbook photo that's nuts yeah that's like mm-hmm. this dude's not only yeah. smart like that's super well organized and to they, be able to they don't that. have the internet right right yeah, I was curious about that because I was under the impression that they had fabricated an identity entirely. And I guess it makes sense to lean on somebody in existence, but man, that, I guess they that yearbook have. foil fucked them <laughs> almost. And they then Andon and pulling the wrestling moves, putting him in a chokehold. Mm-hmm. See, I thought Andon did really good in this chapter. I thought he I was, was proud of Andon cool. in this moment, yeah. I'll stop there. I did agree. I do agree <laughs> with PJ where I just like wanted him to just be the person grabbing the jade. Right. Yeah. But that was about it. I do. I thought it was really cool and also a little dumb how when Zapunio starts questioning him and he just leans in and he's like, I am here to kill you. And it's like, okay, that's fucking cool. Maybe give someone a sign or signal first, but let's go. I'm in. Well, dropping the <laughs> pen was a signal. Right. Yeah. True. Duh. Yeah, he was taking yeah. the taking direction, not giving and not even looking at Damn. them, like yeah. keeping eye contact. That's, That's smart. And, Damn, yeah. and it'll be Missed a good that. spy <laughs> in the future. He's good at all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Just his, I don't know. Yeah, he just thinks a lot of it. Yeah, he's got a lot of trauma. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's why so. Hilo was so upset because Andon's fucking the best at all of this. Yeah. Yeah, and I I think that ultimately I I totally agree. I love Andon for for many reasons over the course of this book, but I think this is really kind of a a shining moment for him. The the moment in which, you know, he's playing the part of the serious interviewer and goes from this kid of whom was so shy and like couldn't have held a conversation, you know, a book ago, 5 years ago at this point with like a random person to now being able to hold his own with a criminal gangster in front of him and, and hold off this fake persona in an interview is just such a powerful change to show. I know we've been kind of memeing on him as the emo kid, but when he needs to get down and, and do something for the good of the clan for burning his place back, he's, he's in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say he earned it. Yeah. He also has a cool beard now. Yeah. <laughs> That was nice. He did grow out a little beard. I thought it was a fake beard. He grew it out. Grew it out. Real five beard. years older. Oh shit! Passage of time. I thought that yeah. was actually yeah. a cool like writing tidbit to have when be the like. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting how it just it was seemed so sudden that he had a beard, and that made sense because like it's just part of who Andon is. So like, why would he 
think about it when we're just teleporting into his life like this and it's not something he decided to do over time and we're st- stuck with him. I don't know. I just really, I thought that was interesting and cool. Maybe yeah. this isn't relevant to bring up, but since we're talking about it, it does make me curious about any sort of prospect of adaptation when you're dealing with somebody going through puberty into like mid twenties, there's a lot of change that happens in their appearance and being able to maintain that with, with whoever they cast is going to be a little tricky if that comes to pass because that there's an adaptation in the works. Yeah. Or has been announced or rights have been bought for it or something. So originally they were purchased by CBS and then they reverted. And I think that there was maybe something going on again, but then the writer's strike happens. Who the fuck knows? I will do it. I want to say PJ that as someone who watches a lot of, or used to watch a lot of like CW shows, no one has a problem casting 30 year olds as high schoolers. So I think fair. (laughs) It'll be okay. Fair point. They'll just like, well, now we can CGI him younger, but they'll just like give him a, a dorky haircut and braces. And then that's teenage and in. Or just put a fake beard on him. Or just ignore the beard, which is basically a throwaway line. Yeah. It's, uh, it'll definitely be fun. I'm excited to see when this eventually happens. Very excited for the, the prospects. So Roan also gets his time in the sun here, of which we love, of course, getting kind of thrown on the floor and fighting these many Barukhan, choking the fuck out of the sun, breaking his windpipe and just leaving him struggling on the ground. There, there's some lines of like wet gurgles in that. Like, I mean, <laughs> I know that we highlighted some moments in Dark Age that are brutal, but all of the sort of dying noises of the people in the room in this chapter is insane. pretty terrifying. You yeah. laid waste. That's not a great way to die. That was cool how quickly he was moving around the room, just like dishing out destruction, death. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was really cool because you know the Baracon they got a little jade on them. They're a little bit nice with it. And there's five of them, I think, and one Aspenian Greenbone. So we're like, okay, how good really is this guy, Rome? We're about to see. And it's like, holy shit. And so you really see why the crews are so fucking terrified of this guy. Right. Especially Rone's like, badass. Rome got started before like anyone really knew what was going on with Jade, it seems like, you know, back when it was even more shadowy so he really must have seen like a demon to these people in this scene i totally thought when was gonna catch a stray bullet i, ab- I was, was waiting oh, yeah, when one like hit the ground next to her i was like yeah. <laughs> i was waiting for that too yeah we all or like Andy. we're like oh we did it and we looked down and oh. she's dead i mean as soon as this all started i was like when i was just like i hope when survives i hope when survives i hope when survives this is like this whole time <laughs> And then you're like, oh, we all survived. Great. Oh, I mean, yeah. After this just, chapter. Yeah, yeah. We're getting them all mushed together. Mm-hmm. Well, because it does kind of mush together with the way that this one ends. Way, with the way it ends, yeah. Shot. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And um, I was just like, I don't know. I just had that running through my mind, like the entire, these entire two chapters. And how about when fucking killing Zapunio? Is that the first person she's ever killed? That was pretty sick. Most likely. She yeah, didn't probably. seem too worried about it. She's a fucking... She's like, pat, pat. G. Yeah. 
cannot mm-hmm. cannot be stopped. So obviously, we, we when killing Zapunio is excellent. We love that they're able to flee very easily. We already mentioned Andin drops the jade after picking it up and realizing and being told by Roan that no, 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 we need to make this look legit. Like they killed each other, so like they leave all the weapons there. They leave everything there. The escape plan seems to be going according to plan, heading to Star Lumber and Supply when someone else <laughs> entirely intervenes and ruins the night and we get the the moment of you kecks have been stepping on the wrong crew boys right at the end here as when screams and Ron Toro shot in the legs. Yikes. Yeah. And is this the guy that Andin got in the fight with over the bike? It's one one of the goons is, yeah. One of yeah. them. Okay. Yeah. The other, Which the I, main guy is, is Skinny, the guy that... Yeah, Skinny Reams. Skinny Reams! Oh, hey, Skinny Reams! Skinny Reams! The super racist guy, yeah. yeah. That was getting shot in, on the boat and jumped off. He jumped the, in the water. In the middle. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we wish he did get killed. We certainly do. Actually, yeah. <laughs> Me, personally. At first, we like, oh, nice, he got fervently away. Fervently hoped. Yeah, it's tough. But I got away, see? <laughs> <laughs> that is how skinny you talk, for sure. Yeah, he's trying to look at bad PG blinders accent going on. Not the like, got, Stinny himself away. does not be. <laughs> the narrator does not <laughs> do bad. Anyway, chapter 60, end of an agreement. This chapter kind of cuts between several points of view here as Shay worries that their plot has gone awry while Andin, Roan, and Wen are attacked by Skinny Reams and several of his goons. Andin is able to get a call into doubt before being dragged by Carson Sunter, the man he'd fought over a bite all those years ago. And we learn that Skinny Reams is now the boss <coughs> of the crew, and this, despite the sense it would make to not renew hostilities with the Tetanese, he's doing so out of pure racism. Also, you know, new in the scene, gotta set himself apart, gotta get some branding going on. First, Roan and then Wen are killed by Skinny's goons, but Andin is saved just in the nick of time by several of his relay ball friends. Freed from his bonds, Andin uses Roan's jade to channel into Wen, kickstarting her heart. An absolutely brutal chapter here. There's no way around that at all. And there's a few things yeah. that stand out to me before we get to like the ultimate climax, so I just want to try to keep us corralled because there's a lot of emotions I was fucking worn out after reading so skinny reams disgusting guy interesting character just skinny reams kind of <laughs> super <laughs> rational kind of but then also totally not rational because he's just racist it's like a weird two sides of a coin going on there yeah he does like coldly explain himself mm-hmm. in a way that was like okay I guess that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, he has the like, talk with Roan where Roan's like, hey man, like, think <laughs> yeah. about this. We And it, it was also like, him and Roan basically grew up together in a weird yeah. way. That's yeah, Very interesting. And he's like, yeah, I see your point. He's like, yeah. Gonna kill tough. you anyway. <laughs> yeah. Miss you, but... <laughs> ah. Just he did feel a little evil villain monologue Yeah. But it is what it is. Sometimes you got it. We got to get time for Sammy and Todd to get here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was just felt very, yeah, like we have in our notes here. It just felt racially motivated mm-hmm. pretty much. 
Yeah, and, and he didn't like, like that jade. He's like, basically, I just don't like Kekanese. Guy says cat with a hard CK for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's brutal. Like, relaxed. Skinny. <laughs> Calm yeah. down, dude. Skinny's canceled. Um, Skinny was I, calling everyone names last week and this week. Sounds RK. like Skinny's got a skinny heart. Oof. See? Needs to grow three <laughs> three sizes. Yep. Mm-hmm. I do like the uh, needing to build that resume within the clan or within the crews, though. Mm-hmm. And set, like, I'm not just boss's guy who's here because there was no one else to fill it, but like, I got my own plans. I got my own ideas. We're going to do things I different. I deserve this. Yeah. And then just like a fucking horse, the piece of shit Carson Sunter is here. And it's just like, come on, like, let it go. You got your ass kicked three years ago. Get over it. Yeah, but I mean that's that's a good catalyst to get in with the crews, you know. Right. I mean, he already was. That was the why he oh, had to go yeah, to. He was away. Doubts. Which also, it's like I thought yeah. it was funny at the time. Like, if you're gonna get your ass kicked over a bite and then go try to your gain boss about it, like I don't. I feel like the gain boss is gonna be like, oh, you're you want bitch. me to start a war <laughs> over yeah. a, you losing a fist fight over a bike? Are you twelve? Yeah. Like, what's up? Like, Carson, shut up. <laughs> typical, he stole my bicycle. Typical Carson behavior. Yeah, Carson. Mm-hmm. You got your bike stolen? <laughs> I just like... <laughs> By a kid? <laughs> Seems like you should have gotten kicked out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, not be like the equivalent of a hand-picked fist. For a... Yeah. A really great and then point. also, of course, this is the one that's like, hey, she's pretty pretty. Like, do we have to kill her? And even Skinny Reams is like, you're disgusting. Jesus Christ, man. You're yeah, disappointing Reams at this point. You're, you're <laughs> fucked up. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Well, he's like, we're evil, but not that evil. Like, that's like, no, like, I relax. think it goes more into racism. He's like, why would you want to touch mm. a keck? Oh, I guess I hadn't no, thought about that. that that was on my mind. I was just hoping it wasn't, but good point. Fair, as usual, point, Aaron. Yeah. As usual, outstanding. I don't think we should give any any graces here. That's fine. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. The murders themselves yeah. were disgusting. Mm-hmm. Mm, golly. And the description of Roan's like, open mouth not moving the bag at the end of it yeah. was really... Unsettling. Yes, tough. this whole thing was like it fucked me up. It. I agree. Same. Violent. The bowels emptying and like yeah. Like no books don't usually mention that. You know, they usually know. They leave that out. Bobby B said they leave that part out of the stories. And he was right. This is a story, Fonda. Why yeah, that was that was too much. When it, it was, was just like the sadness of the entire thing too. Mm-hmm. It was just like. Mm-hmm. Mm, that like was an extra like knife mm-hmm. twist, and it's like he's and really dying dead without too. your jade, right? Yeah, and he's really dead. Yeah, and then when having seen that, makes the decision to just <sighs> go out cold as a cucumber, fucking badass, super badass. The clan is my blood, and the pillar is its when master. Just the MVP of the book. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I, can't, I no. I was just say, couldn't say it better myself. Yeah, 
I, I wanted to ask, just given some of the weight of some of the deaths that we've experienced in this book, did you feel more for uh, Roan or Ken? Roan. Roan. Mm-hmm. Okay. But also, we intimately watched him die. Yeah. It's a fair point. An explosion can't really be described as more than fire consumes <laughs> thing. Lit- Leather right. burns. And like, fat burns to seat. Yeah. I'd much rather be exploded into a million pieces than have my legs shot out and then slowly suffocated to death without my jade. Tough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like as, I mean, as brutal as it is, kind of a weird signature murder technique for a, a Dane, I feel like, but right. then having seen it played out up close and personal like this, I, I did it. Now I did it. But when they first were like executed true style with a bag over their head, I was like, it just seems like Mm-hmm. Pretty mon- pretty easy, pretty mundane, and then you see it, and you're like, holy fuck. That's awful. Yeah. I don't think I understood that initially. I thought it was, like, black bag and, like, shot in shot. the head. Mm-hmm. That was my exact picture, too. Yeah. Yeah. This was much more horrifying. Yeah. Horrifying. Yeah. And then Andy goes out a completely different way. He's He's upset. It's very Andy. Don't blame him at all. This is fucking no. who could <laughs> also, keep her composed. Like when's one of yeah. the kind? <laughs> yeah, and then she's mm-hmm. constant flashing back to Shay. She's <laughs> freaking out, and then she has an outburst out the at the gods here, which I will read with everybody's permission. Unless Aaron, mm-hmm. you, do you have think, something to say? Do you think her prayers are what saved with, them? I think technically, it was Andy's call, but maybe. Maybe the gods gave Andrew you gave him the old one bit. time. I do that a lot during football games. Just <laughs> to one time. Shout one time. Yeah. <laughs> one time, one time, one time. for God. <laughs> it doesn't work for me as often. As now. Chiefs. Yeah, That's true. Guys, only two Super Bowls in four years. It's tough. But I will read the <laughs> quote now. Yato, father. <laughs> I said that weird. Yato. 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 Father of all. Genshu. Old uncle. Gods in heaven. Please hear me. My cousin Emery Anden was adopted into our family and raised as my youngest brother. He could have been a powerful greenbone, but he refuses to wear jade because he didn't want a life of killing and madness. My sister-in-law, Call Mate Wen, is a stone eye, but she's never let that stop her. She's risked her life and her marriage for the clan, and she's the mother of three children who need her. Inden and Wen are green in the soul, and now they're in danger in Espenia because I put them both there. Please protect them and bring them home safely. The silence that followed her words was so absolute that her growing panic spiked into anger. Why are you always so cruel, she demanded in a harsh whisper. Every week I come to you on my knees. If you even exist, then help us. We're not a family that can claim to adhere to the divine virtues all the time, but who can? Who in our position could stand a chance? Please, I'm begging you. Don't punish Wen and Andin for anything my brother or I have done in the past. Shay felt her hands trembling against her thighs. On my honor, my life, and my jade, I'm begging you. This prayer, I'm sure there are examples of it that like go against this claim that I'm making, but I, I've never experienced a prayer that felt so much like a petition to like in a king or something like that. Like really in-depth explaining who each person is i thought that was kind of funny i was like they're gods they probably know right <laughs> right that's what i was thinking like the oh, these gods all. aren't paying attention 
I liked that. Yeah, it was just like fucking powerful stuff from Shay. And then the way it's structured, hey, it works. Or maybe and in calling people worked. Right, Ben? Yeah. Never know. I think I feel like she's appealed to the gods a few times and mm-hmm. it seems like her prayers are being answered. Not always how she wants this time. Not always how she wants, but more or less how she wanted. Yep. Should have included Ron Toro. Should have. You fucking <laughs> selfish. <laughs> There's a fantastic Ron would have been alive. description it's all here your fault. of uh, and in putting the jade back on and how he's like convulsing and how he pitches in his head kind of is the way it's described. And then also just like a really cool description of him channeling into when and like restarting her heart. Mm-hmm. Badass Andy. Mm-hmm. This was nice. And I also liked the the development that came out of this as well. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about. What development? He decides to be a channeling doctor. Which Good for him. Somebody predicted. I don't recall who. Sounds like an Aaron prediction. I'll give you that one. Good job, kid. I don't remember anything. All right. I don't know. I just remember because <laughs> it's teased a little bit. Like his, he's good at channeling. <laughs> Channeling's his favorite. We learned that channeling can right. be used to heal. And someone was like, I wonder. I thought he was going to, in the moment at the grudge hall. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was, it was nice to see it really come through here, <laughs> getting green again for a wildly different reason. And, but, but also <laughs> s- starting with, like CPR and chest compressions knows how to truly think on his feet in like a time of trauma, which is good. And then later we learn, but not here that he tries to do it on Roan. Cause mm-hmm. here we kind of like fade to black, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, when did that happen? <laughs> because yeah. he saves when, and then takes the gloves off. It seems like. But, but then later he says he had tried maybe when he tried it on Roan, his life energy had left him. Yeah. Maybe that was just like a weird thinking on Andon's part, but he like he meant like he was going to try, but he knew he was dead already, so he didn't, maybe. But I don't know. I, I think he says he did do no, it. I know, like he right, crawled he over to him. Yeah. But in this Here, chapter he doesn't do that. Doesn't mention it at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's weird. My last note was that this dude, Andin, just fucking amazing. And I thought, PJ, like you touched on just now, he puts on Jade for a radically different reason than the first time he puts on this crazy amount of Jade. And then now we see like that same level of awe and respect from other green bones that he got from the murder of Count Ash. Now it's for another radically different reason, but that same reverence mm-hmm. and respect. Dude's talented. This is... This has also been discussed and described as a like really difficult thing to do in general. He has the training for it, and the like, it was always his his best discipline. But all those relay ball guys are like, "Damn, we should have gone to school." Yeah, yeah. The, he completely outclasses everyone right. except maybe Ron Toro in the room right now. Well, he's dead. Well, Ron's dead. Yeah. Yeah, so definitely outclasses him right now. <laughs> yeah, he brought someone back from the dead. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Is Wen going to be a zombie? Whoa. Frankenstein's monster? He just eats brains. Brains? It'll be a turn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
the legacy this of Jade is uh, zombies. <laughs> it's a zombie book. You got them. Perfect. With that, we go into chapter 61, Lines Crossed. Shay moves to answer a late-night call from Andin and is educated about the night's evening in Espenia. She heads up to meet with Hilo in the training hall, where he and Nico are playing a Jade sensitivity game. Shay tells him about the successful assassination of Zipunio, as well as the state of Wen, and he physically lashes out, leading to a brief duel. After the kids see their father in a state of rage, he settles and resigns Shay on the spot. Shay turns down the request for her to leave, citing her oaths. The clan is my blood, and the pillar is its master. And this chapter in general is just incredibly heavy, especially following a series of heavy chapters. But the call from Andin in particular is a, is a brutal one being like fighting for change, basically to get in and then like, call me back, call me back in this number in the room in the hospital and just the panic there. I feel like Shay could have done a little bit of a better job spreading out the amount of information that she dropped on Hilo. Like, Tell her about what happened tonight, but maybe don't say, yeah, Wen's been working for me as a white rat for the last seven years, several years. And, right. Uh, it could have just been Wen decided to carry the pen because she wanted vengeance on this guy. That would have made sense. I feel like we touched on somebody being a freezer in the moment at times. It seems like Shay a little bit emotionally is a freezer, <laughs> yeah. not in the same way where she freezes up, but like. She makes the wrong read in these emotional situations and overshares often. Yeah. It's like Definitely. Everything She's a she treats it as facts. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's her trying to, like, like you said, Cross, it's facts. Like she's trying to explain, like, I didn't just throw Wen into the lion's den out of nowhere. Like, she's fucking good at this. And she's proven herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Hilo still would have been very angry. Probably still would have lashed out, but I don't know. He, he could have been eased into it a little bit better. Yeah, we we move from the call with Andy to a little Jade sensitivity game, which is a fun little pastime, an interesting little note on how they test kids and some of their Jade sensitivities, being like putting it under a rug and find the little bead. It's neat, you know, focusing the efforts on Jade. And you can already begin to see some of the maybe shift in attention that Nico is getting. Once again, we didn't lock the jade up. It could be too. Just Nico's older, so he's finally to the age where you can play these games. Yeah, also true. Definitely also true. And yeah, lock up up the jade. Be a responsible parent. Ben is so upset about that. I'm just like, accidents happen, and you're like, unforgivable. I didn't like it. We've made comparisons about it being like a gun or like a weapon and I don't know, should be cared for as such so I can understand it. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. I think the reason that he doesn't put it away here is because he's in the room with it. So it's not like the kids are going to, you know, run away with it necessarily. But still, given the circumstances and as though he could predict what's about to happen, right? That's the other side of like this right now in this immediate moment, which is also why you should always take care of stuff like that ahead of time, just in case something goes awry. But needless to say, Hilo, like we talked about physically lashes out like the horn he was always intended to be. And there's just so much here about the auras and the reading of auras that I really appreciate. As we've said, Shay sort of spills everything out of her 
so there's the there's this like stone stature of his appearance but a fiery tornado of rage underneath the surface to quote what she remembered later was the contrast the way helo's face grew wooden as if each muscle was locking into place while his aura built in heat and intensity beginning to roil and heave bubble and smoke and burn as if he were subsuming his brother's physical energy turning him into a statue even as he swelled in her perception to a bonfire and oh scary. boy if you like i'd be like bye run out of there mom Pilo's <laughs> beating me up yeah yeah she's there i feel like we can call this what it is he's not physically lashing out he smacked the shit out of her yeah and then they fight and i think it's you know it's more acceptable in Taytown and amongst green bones than perhaps other places they're ready but, to fight didn't they used to fight yeah. like this too it's definitely she reveled in it and it's not like he's fighting a defenseless woman she's a powerful green bone as well mm-hmm. so he's not holding back <laughs> yeah i didn't and love just, it but i don't know it's just an emotional reaction right go punch some drywall helo jeez yes right yeah and there, there is the the reason that I think the ter- that I use the term physically lashing out is because he isn't willing to talk it out at this point because he feels so betrayed in the moment by Shay hiding the facts about when. So like he doesn't even have the wherewithal to process it in any other way but rage in the moment, and it takes the the kids kind of stepping into the room and Shay talking them down for him to like back up and breathe for even just a second. To, to change sort of tact. I think that's a good read. Because Shay thinks it's not going to stop until one of the two of them is passed out on the ground. Yeah. Good so. thing the kids came in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They <laughs> asked the question of, of, of course, what's going on in the moment. And Shay responds with the effectual, you know, we're just practicing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, don't worry, kids. I, Mommy and daddy are wrestling. Oh gosh. <laughs> it's a little different. A little different. <laughs> Slightly. A little, a little more different. violent. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a strong chapter, nonetheless. There there are literally so many incredible quotes over the course of the chapter, especially as, you know, she is basically put up at, on offer for, you know, being asked to resign and, and sort of tell the big lie and how much of a betrayal this all is. We can see Hilo's pain, we can feel it. And Hilo says, maybe I don't believe in the gods like you do, but I do know some things are the way they are for a reason. We're calls. We were born for this life, whether we like it or not. The clan can claim everything I have, my time, my blood and sweat, my life and jade, but it can't have my wife. She's a stone eye. She's the one thing in this world that jade can't touch. You knew that it was a line that I would never cross. And and I think that that's such a big deal to actually get the insight into some of the reasons as to why why Helo's tried so hard to keep her separate is because of like a mental image of Aisho in his own mind and sort of the way that this betrayal means way more to him than just sort of control over what his wife does or doesn't do. It's it's a protective mechanism. Is it his right to enact it? No, but we finally get that mentality, I think, firmly here. He wants to protect her. Yeah, I mean, I think his mentality was understandable. I really appreciated Shay's response, though, and just, like, explaining, like, 
how much this was Wynn's decision. This is who she is and what she wanted and how Hilo kind of, because of that mentality had blinded himself to some of that aspect of her personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This is the other side of that reveal too, where like you're saying, it, it's just the, well, you weren't actually listening to what your wife right. was saying she wanted to do. She wanted to be green without the green. I can also see how betrayed Hilo could feel in this moment towards Shay specifically because of the the sort of tiered structure of the clan and how there shouldn't like the weatherman has ways of doing things that are kept secret, but this feels like this was kind of like an express order that was disregarded yeah yeah right kind of like the comparison to her being like doru yeah mm. right. twisting the knife yeah yeah that was just that's a... good that's when that conversation returns to earth yeah there's the the other thing that i appreciate pj to your point of the the weatherman like reads the clouds effectively i was almost shocked that this chapter wasn't called something to that like the clouds pulled back or or something to that degree because this is just sort of diving into to that from Hila's perspective and seeing behind the weatherman's guys to some degree. Piercing the clouds. Yeah, something like that. Mm. So ultimately, Shay is told to resign and she refuses almost immediately. She thinks about it for just the briefest of moments and gets this inclination, but she is fully in on the clan, the family, and everything involved therein. And repeats her oaths again. He, she says, I, I love this again. I'm going to just read the fucking quote because it's so good. Hate me from now on if you have to, but you need me to stay Hilo and you need when and Andin. You said it to yourself years ago, we have each other. And maybe that's the one thing we have that our enemies don't. Hilo's aura gave a dark pulse, like an angry sigh, but he didn't move or open his eyes. <laughs> Hell yeah, Shay. Doesn't she like immediately go and pack up her office though? No, right before that, she thinks about doing that. So she runs through what it would be uh, like to yeah, walk she, away like, from the She puts her hand on the handle yeah. Yeah. and then doesn't exit. Yeah. No, I love yeah, the sense of ownership that she feels in that moment too. Like she's like, now nah, I'm in this now. Mm-hmm. That is really cool. Cross, did you, you finish wanted- that quote where she recites the oaths? Did you read that part too? I read it at the very top, but I haven't okay. reread it. Yeah. But that the end of that, of course, is the clan is my blood and the pillar is its master, she whispered. I have a lot of regrets in life, but those oaths aren't one of them. Nice. Fuck yeah, shit. That was a really good bookend, of course. Definitely. Cool. That brings us into chapter 62, Still at War. Aitmata comes to Shay in the Temple of Divine Return. The pair discuss the gods. Sapunyo and Ait reveals that the mountain has been cultivating foreign allies of their own, closing up to the Ititanians, Uwewins, and Barokan, who will, of course, soon be flooding into Taitan because of the, package, the passage of the Ordokan Conflict Refugee Act. Yet Shay sees through the seeming calm confidence of Ait and spurns her offer of an armistice, reminding the Pillar of the Mountain that despite peace on the streets, 
the two clans will remain at war. So, Hella chapter. What did what, you say? Hella chapter. It's a, it's a wonderful chapter. <laughs> <laughs> Thrown off now. <laughs> this, the sort of Ite showing up when she knew Shay would be there mm-hmm. and Shay instinctively knowing that nothing bad was going to happen. They can have this conversation, made this whole clan war almost feel like a chess game to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Just, I, I think we made mention of it the very first time that we were in this moment, but it reminds me again of Magneto and Professor X sitting in the park playing chess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good call out. <laughs> Which one's Magneto? I, I for sure. Although, Depends on which universe. You like. Michael Fassbender or... <laughs> Shay wanted yeah, but... to keep <laughs> Green or Jade only in Dreambone hands is pretty Magneto-y. The first thing that was really interesting to me was when Shay asks if Ike believes in the gods and we learned Ike does believe in the gods she just doesn't necessarily fuck with them <laughs> yeah. she's like the it. gods didn't help when all everyone I loved got yeah, she's like, killed therefore she's like, yeah, fuck those guys you're gonna leave them. <laughs> the last time Ike loved anyone but herself mm-hmm. do we believe that she's never killed or ordered someone to be killed out of anger or desire for personal vengeance i'm saying (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i was like okay i sure she might believe that yeah if you'd like Mm. to believe that fine at least her brother i feel like i mean i get she was rising to power in the clan but there was there was bad feelings there for sure yeah maybe like i've never done that without backwards justification Mm -hmm. after the fact but I don't know. I have a hard time believing it. Well, another interesting thing here is like I on on like reveals all the plans, all the machinations, all the scheming the mountain has been up to. Just say it's they've been pretty quiet this book more for the most part, and then all of a sudden this last section it seems like everything's been sprung on us, and she gives Just us a lot of intel. Opens. And Shay understands it all implicitly. She, you know, they're both incredibly smart, incredibly high-level operators and worldwide thinkers at this point. And as it's happening, you're like, holy shit. Like, we've gotten outworked. We've got out-steamed. But then I asked the question in the notes, but I think we didn't answer in the text. So almost rhetorical, but I think there's discussion to be had still. It seems like I overplays her hands here, or her hand, and or at the very least overplays her bluff. Because... It's like so overwhelming, and then Shay kind of reads it, or I read her read it as like if you if it was really so overwhelming, you wouldn't need to write about it to be right here, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I just think there's also like she plays it, and it does sound very strong, but when you start like looking at it, like Shay does, like there's cracks in that wall that she's building, and like and I doesn't have any friends. Yeah, right tough. and she's still got a lot of problems and she's like connecting a lot of dots like where those connections could break like using the Barucon mm-hmm. or whatever you know like those types of things like yeah they sound good and they could happen but there's also a lot of potential for them to not work at all um, and so I think that's what Shay sees and so I don't want to be out of line here but during this chapter when I was telling Shay all the stuff I was thinking 
Shay's probably the only person I sees herself in as like mm-hmm. a powerful, smart, mm-hmm. green bone woman. And I was like, shipping I and Shay. <laughs> Wow. Okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like power I like, couple. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron, like, I liked all of that until the end. <laughs> it's like there is that sort of like nobody else will appreciate how clever I is except for Shay. Yeah. Because right. like Hilo will just get mad. Mm-hmm. Now Sue probably doesn't give a fuck. Iwi is basically just like a stand in for I. Yeah. So it's like who's going to appreciate how nice this is? Oh, my mortal enemy. Sick. Right. Keep your enemies close. Yeah, it does seem like there's a couple things there. She's wanting to like <laughs> show off their power and see if she can get them to sue for peace or whatever. And then she also just wants to show somebody, be like, can somebody fucking appreciate all this great shit that I'm doing? <laughs> Been doing a lot of great scheming. And I think that's why Shay like empathizes or feels pity for her in that moment. She's kind of mm-hmm. like... Yeah, this is kind of sad. Like, she really doesn't have anyone. Right. Yeah. And she lets the grudging respect show and then is like, yeah, feel bad for her. Yeah. It's tough. <laughs> it's My also- initial assumption was that this was like a last-ditch effort for a merger. Like, despite everything, here's what you're going up against let's just call it off and like merge the clans. I don't remember if she brought that up explicitly or if I just assumed it. And I only got a chance to read this once because we so, <laughs> recorded so quickly. I don't think she so, brings up a merger. I think that's, but it does seem with. like there's some subtext of peace on the whole. Well, and it does feel like there's, it's not quite that, but yeah. She's yeah, like, I'm she, tired of whispering your brother's name. No one's fucking listening to me. Well, no one's, Pulled it off. No one can least. fucking do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's probably like when Hilo's like, why is I so fucking hard to kill? You can imagine her saying that or hissing it at least. She probably doesn't scream it like he does. But but to the merger point, she does raise the parallels between Aspenia and Egyptan and now this Cold War, which I don't think she says Cold War, but Cold War going on. And she's like, they wasted all this time and effort just to get to the inevitable point. We can skip that. Let's just have an armistice. Like, we know that's what's going to happen. We're too powerful to kill each other now. Like, why do we have to pretend that we could kill each other? Let's just skip to the end. Let's skip to mm-hmm. the good part. Yep. True. So it's like a merger in all but name kind of because I feel like Ike sees it as the mountain so powerful they can just dominate no peak if there's no threat of scheming and being overwhelmed by trickery mm-hmm. alright so my last thing is just how the chapter ends start a sweet quote by Shay unless anyone has anything before this okay Shay straightened and said to her enemy everything you say is true we have more at stake now it's in everyone's best interest for our clans to keep the peace. But we will never be at peace. You'll pursue your ruthless agenda, and my clan will pursue ours. Make no mistake, we're still at war in a different way. She stood up, feeling the stiffness in her back unclench. I have to pick up my nephews from swim class. If you'll excuse me, Aichen, my family needs me. Just like, boom. Burn. I have a Deuce family. Bumps walk away. And you don't Get have a fucked. family. I know, that was... You childless bitch. Was one last another cut to the ear cut the rest of it off <laughs> i thought that this could have been like a perfect 
end to yeah. this book. I did too. I, uh, but oh. not without your boy Barrow. It's <laughs> <laughs> fucking. There was two I, times in this book I was like the Adam Sandler meme. Well, actually, two times in this section where it's just like, oh, this fucking guy. Once Denny Reams and Carson Sunter, one with Barrow at the end. I was surprised that we were given a whole chapter of Andon and he left. I would have liked to the, those chapters flipped. flipped. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. I, I think that it kind of, it kind of speaks to the theme of the book to put them in this order versus the other order, given kind of the focus on Andon and sort of the foreign mm-hmm. influence. But I, I totally agree with you. You honestly, any of you could have also ended with 61 and gone out on like a dark note into the epilogue with like mm-hmm. Shay agreeing, you know, kind of in the end and leave it a little bit of a, a darker, quieter tone. We get a I little disagree. bit more resolution from these two chapters, <laughs> but yeah, I think you need to hit chapter 63 last because it's like the more upbeat. And then you're like, but guess what? This fucking guy barrows out here and there's other <laughs> stuff going on and it's sketchy. So you can't be like dark, 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 dark. You need, you need a little something. No, a middle, a middle book, a middle books can end yeah, in depressing ways and have in many of the series that we've read. Yeah, uh, but the epilogue so doesn't hit be... that much. If you, I, I feel like you need like the little glimmer of something, and then the epilogue hits harder. That's just, that's just I my take like in this specific situation. Shay's end note is a good note, though. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good for Shay. So that's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, good for Shay. But yeah, I, I do understand what you're saying. Give a little bit of glimmer and then bring it back down. With that, our final chapter of the week before, you know, of course, the little epilogue that we've already hinted at, poked at. Chapter 63, Home at Last. Andon finally returns home after three and a half years abroad. He runs into Lotjin on his way home as well, and they share kind of a, a quick update, and he kind of analyzes him, which is interesting. When he finally makes his way to Hilo, we are given an understanding of the situation with Wen. Andon is accepted fully back into the family and charts a new goal. He's going to pick up Jade again, but as a doctor. It's something else for the clan. Dr. Andon. Dr. Andon. Hey, Corey. Dr. You're Andin. a lawyer. I'm a doctor. <laughs> Power couple. <laughs> I know how to channel. I don't know. Channel that. It's about sex with Jade. <laughs> <Sorry. on. laughs> yeah. <laughs> if he can so deftly manipulate someone's heart with channeling what do you think he can do with dick (laughs) (laughs) sorry thomas's mom (laughs) has she stopped listening at this point we're yeah it's too long she gave up the episodes are too long for her (laughs) that's good Good. once you get like two behind it's just like you're looking at nine hours to catch up and it's like ah whatever so That's yeah, I thought there was a lot of richness to the scenery here of Andon like coming back, you know, people opening openly wearing jade, like it's honest of, town, kind of being culture shocked in reverse, you know, the lanterns mm-hmm. and doorways again, the sights and smells, Aaron, that you highlighted to begin with that he was yearning for, you know, kind of come back in full blast, the heat in general versus the sort of Spenian cold. Yeah. Cinematic. Yeah. It's it makes for a wonderful closing vista at the very least to set up and end through. And that's that's excellent. One more wide panning shot before we close. So 
I, I love that, obviously, we, as we know, Andon's reaction to Jade was much less severe this time as far as his own recollection goes, despite it being a similar amount of Jade potentially that he threw on himself quickly being Jade-less prior. So there's a little bit of kind of a flash there of maybe maybe it is something else. Maybe time has healed that wound. Maybe it's the intent that he's coming into it with. There's There's kind of a larger question posed there. Yeah, intention, I'm sure, is a big part of it. <coughs> Mindset in general. Was it the same amount of jade? Because, like, Hilo has so much jade. They say it was a similar amount of power flowing through him. Okay. And we do learn throughout this book that, like, there, like jade hits a point where it's just small increments and it no longer really matters with Shay's duel, right? With her taking off the jade, but... Diminishing returns. Yeah. That's some good stitch work in those gloves. Mm-hmm. If they got that much in there. Yeah. We also get a final flash to the last conversation that he has with Corey at the funeral for Round Toro. What do we think of that end for the pair of them, the conversation that they exchange? Not a great place to reconcile. <laughs> yeah. At your basically Corey's uncle's funeral. And like also kind of Andon's big brother in the city because he was like looking after him constantly in a in a big way. I would say similarly, probably more akin to an uncle, but less time. I, wouldn't. I think uh, Corey needs a little more time. I felt like this scene didn't have to be here. I don't know what it accomplished. Disagree. It was a big deal. I like this scene quite a bit, and <laughs> there's a quote as to why. And so it's when they're talking, you know, and then tries to apologize in person. When you said you were busy with clan things, you didn't mention it might get you killed. Tori looked unusually somber in a black suit and tie, his eyes fixed on Roan's casket. He rubbed a hand over his face and turned to Andon slowly. My da always says you're green in the soul, as if though that's a good thing to be. It's not, Crumb. And I just thought that, like, that hit. And for that alone, like, it just shows how different these two were, how ultimately was doomed because of that one simple fact. Yeah, it was never going to work. Not good to be that, green? I thought it was like closure for us that this is Yeah, done. I'd agree with that. Okay. Yeah, I can get behind that. You don't have to, PJ. You we can disagree. No. And I will still love I you. No, you can't. That's the rule. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to pressure you, that's all. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I, I also feel like that's the other part of like the letter too where like we also get closure on the way that he actually felt about the letter as well. And sort of the, the whole arc out there with the family in general seals up right, right as Ron Toro's casket closes. He says goodbye. Do you think he'll ever yeah. see them again? Do you think Corey will be his lawyer when he gets in trouble? <laughs> I think Corey will definitely show up again. What about the... Dauks or the Heons. I bet, yeah. I think we're still doing stuff in Aspinia, don't you think? Mommy's over there. I assume that Corey is going to land a lawyer position at the Port Massey weatherman's Love office. Brainer. Yeah. Because that wow. total that satisfies baby. his father's like green bone ish kind of wishes. Putting his law degree to use. Making money. Mm. Good Plus, job, good like, job. Seems very Nepo baby for Toro, for Tori. 
So like he can't get his own job, so he starts off there. Mm. Fucking Koru John. Koru John. I don't like when the names end in John or like Lok Jin, because they also call them Jen. It's fucking confusing for me. <laughs> it's very close. Yeah. Juan Jen is funny. Especially over the audiobook. Yeah. Juan as well. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Juan is the worst Juen one, Jen. actually. Juan Jen. Jin. Yeah. Jin Jen. <laughs> And then there's yeah, like a lot of names that sound similar, which makes sense. But names sounding similar, I have less of an issue with. It is specifically the Jen or Say. And if it's like, mm-hmm. if it were, for instance, if now Swen had a kid, and it was if, if it were Swenson, or you fuck it, or Swensay, I would lose my shit. I would, <laughs> no, no. Also, that kid would be an emotional terrorist. <laughs> yeah, it's like. I called him now say you just be like why so just his name and then you'd be like oh <laughs> no now say what <laughs> now say what anyway <laughs> okay so there's this lovely quote of course that's exchanged between Hilo and Andin where they finally get to explain kind of what was going on from their perspective over in Espeni at the moment and he says it was never about going against you Helogen for me or when I know what it's like to not be the person your family expects you to be and how hard it is to act for yourself after that. He cleared his throat. His voice had gone scratchy. It's not your forgiveness we need, just your understanding. And that's actually such a wonderful way to phrase it and apology and shows the growth that he's experienced over years and the way that he's truly changed. I absolutely love this, Brandon. I I hope Hilo really heard this. Banger quote. Yeah. Dropping knowledge. But at the same time, with Hilo being the pillar... They kind of do need a certain amount of his forgiveness in order to continue, like, operating <laughs> in general. Like, also not, true. not to the degree that he's, like, talking about, and I get that, but, like, yeah. they need to mend some feelings. Yeah, I and I think that this is about, like, specifically denying the jade or, you know, going behind the back, right? And so... Andin, in particular, has mended that bridge pretty significantly, but I think he's trying to make the case for when already. Like, he's trying to make that being like, it's not about offending you, man. That's not the point. And it's not like I'm, I don't know. For for me, I see this very similar to friends that I've talked about when they were coming out to their parents. It's like, I don't need you to agree with it or whatever, but I just need you to understand. And it feels like it shares a lot of kind of root feeling with that. For sure. Mm-hmm. I think, but he, you're right. There is some legalese there. <laughs> it seems but to me. I think that sorry. it's important that he says it's never about going against you because I think Hilo always thinks like the world's against him and no one listens to him. So I think that's also a very important part of it. Like we're with you, Hilo. You know, mm-hmm. be on our it's side. It's supposed to be reaffirming. Yeah, we just may- maybe aren't what you expect us to be. Totally. It does seem like Hilo, at least in this moment, who knows if he'll remember it in a day, but it does seem like it hits him now, at least because, you know, he takes a beat, doesn't respond to it really, but he says, you have to move back home, Andy. I've missed you. So I I feel like that's him kind of being like, you know, a different Hilo would have blown up at that and been angry, but this one can accept it. And that's his way of doing so because everything's so personal to him Hilo's been beaten down into a nice guy <laughs> he's growing <laughs> kind of. of the world mm-hmm. <coughs> I, I 
I think if you if you can say anything about this book, it's taught Hilo the importance of his family over the value immediately and and clan is family for Hilo, but also that there is something about that close blood family. And it's kind of the merging of the two and an understanding of they're different and I should value them differently. Definitely. Yeah. There, there's also this lovely declaration that Andon can be something new and that he's found that he can pick up Jade and wear it again as a healer and that he plans on going to school. There's even this little like note where he's like, you know, I'm, I'm excited to like go or whatever. And I wouldn't ask the clan to pay for my tuition. And then Hilo gets his like little half cocked smile and was like, you think I care about school fees, dude? <laughs> it's just like a fun. Like, bro, fun note. I'm rich. Yeah. I'll pay for your stupid school as long as you put on Jade. Hiller. I'll buy the yeah. fucking school. <laughs> Probably already owns the school. He could. Probably true. But the the line that follows that is you haven't changed as much as you think you have, Andy. And I just imagine him like ruffling his hair right afterwards. It, it feels like that moment of them coming in together. And the novel ends proper here before the epilogue with the kids coming out and meeting Uncle Andy for the first time and healing Hilo explaining this is this is the, the guy I've been telling you about for all this time. And man, if that isn't an adorable and incredible way to end this book. And that's why that's why I think it's structured this way. I love like, it. I love we're it. We're beaten, yes. we're beaten, we're beaten. And then the shade thing's nice. And then this it's like, oh, this is heartwarming. Everything's dark, but yeah. like Uncle it's gonna Landon's be okay. Back. Everything's gonna be okay. Yeah, heartwarming, and then here's your piece of shit. Yeah, and then (laughs) even the epilogue even starts off, which that's where we are now, people. In case you're trying to tell, we're at the epilogue. You're kind of like Barrow's to the right place. Is Barrow a good guy now? Like Barrow's on the come up, right? He has a job at the (laughs) Twice Left. He's been there for a year. He's overcome his jade fever, and he seems to be getting a new apartment soon. Everything's looking up for our guy. Unfortunately. As we're learning these things about him, he's going to a meeting of a group seeking to bring down the clans and redistribute Jade to the masses. He got hired at the Double Double. That's what I, yeah. The name's yeah, Double yeah. Double, Twice Lucky. Twice I, Lucky, yeah. Similar, but thank you but for it's that. It's funny that he got hired at the Double Double, considering what went down there mm-hmm. um, in all contexts. Pretty great. It's just, I know, and he insulted Aiton, and Aiton's like, ah, mm-hmm. I see something in the kid, I'll turn his life around. <laughs> and you see, like, him calling him Aiton Jen is such a... Like, you're like, oh, shit. He, Barrow has learned something. He seems to be on the right path. And then, nope. At first, I thought, oh, is he, like, going to help out the clan now? But, mm-hmm. nope. Nope. Back to his old shit. So it's like yeah, those guys it, handing it's... out flowers. or Those guys handing out flyers. flyers. Actually works apparently (laughs) this is different (laughs) than than his same shit though Mm -hmm. because this isn't selfishness this is i mean it's revolution against the clans (laughs) it's revolution yeah (laughs) but seemingly it's for what he perceives as what's best for the city or or country or whatever it's not or king and country I took it as, but that's fair. Never mind. But yeah, him not wanting Jade—that's pretty crazy. That was wild. Since when? Since it that fucked moment, up his apparently. entire life. Yeah. <laughs> he's also been this entire time. He's he's getting ready to get 
his own apartment, but he's been living in like in addiction recovery home. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming like that has a lot to do with his mindset getting like being able to articulate it like that. Is this the first character that's gone to therapy in this book? <laughs> <laughs> and it fucking worked. Let's go. I think it fully <laughs> I think works. It I mean, he got over his addiction at least. For now. Now he just wants vengeance. <laughs> he just Similar. channeled it to a different path. So it's like someone who gives up smoking and they just eat and eat and eat. Mm-hmm. Or you give up drinking and you smoke and smoke and smoke. But yeah, what do we think about this? These revolutionaries seeking to redistribute Jade to the masses. It makes Seize sense. It's production. not like a it's not like a cause I can't understand. Mm-hmm. It was an interesting development, for sure. Yeah, I think once once you get to the point where the masses have jade, problems will start. Do you think we did to that point? Seen? I mean, I think my point is that's the flaw in their Mm -hmm. sort of goal. It sort of fits in nicely with how Shay responds to Aitmada's plan with the Baruton and it's like you know we can have all these fake green bones in here but it's gonna make Taton unrecognizable and it's same thing here that's the their goal mm-hmm. I guess we'll find out in mm-hmm. Jade Legacy by finally all right so some closing thoughts on the novel on the whole obviously we're gonna talk wrap up next week Per, per kind of expectations, but of course, always ever curious. <laughs> who won the week? Who'd you guys think? What'd you feel? Brandon. And in, I don't know. I'm too emotionally distraught. <laughs> I would have said when, except for the very end. Part about where she's brain dead? She's not brain dead. <laughs> First of all, if you're brain dead, you're not responding when people talk to you. Ben. Have some hope. I think Nico did pretty good. (laughs) What? Yeah, actually, Nico owned up to it. Clear winner stopped Shay and Hilo from fighting. Promised to be a good big brother. Yeah, Shay did okay. She did good against Aitmada. I don't know why we're arguing about this. It's clearly Andon. Now, (laughs) now swims in. <laughs> yeah, now swims in. Now I can mean... though, because like now is just a henchman, as far as we know. I so I would say know. if I mean, if now is... one eight one is what how what I would say. I think Andon sure. did okay, but he could have done a lot better. Yeah, uh, he <laughs> saved a life. Got back to Jan Lee. He's gonna go did be a skinny, doctor. Did Skinny Reams win? Skinny Reams took out the greenest oh, man. In I was Espenia. gonna say this, but so. Did the relay ball guys come in after Skinny Reeves left, or did they, they fight him? They drove they him ran. off. Yeah. Okay, so he's still alive, right? Yeah. Skinny. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he could have won, although he didn't kill <laughs> two of the three people he tried to kill. That's bad odds. One for three. Yeah. And I think that that's thirty-three point three 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 percent. Hilo's going to be whispering his name pretty soon. Yeah. I think I think it's been whispered. <laughs> I think Hilo's going to be screaming his name. Yeah, I don't think he's, 
Hilo is going to roll up. He's going to be like, hey. In all seriousness, seriousness, I agree with Andon. Yeah. Yeah. I think Andon won the week, but when won the book? I agree with that assessment. I do want to give Hilo some props this week, in particular for the way that he handled the kids and the way that that situation went down. But there's some other things, you know. I don't know. Yeah. Cool. I I feel like, does Hilo... I feel like I, we knew he was going to be a good dad. Everyone was on that train. And then how much credit does a dad deserve for being a dad? Kind of your job. I don't know. There are a lot of shitty dads, though. Like, that's no, I know, but I'm just saying that like, coin is like, how much credit does a dad deserve? I, as much as he earns. Right. <laughs> and I think Hilo saying, earned like, his. It seems kind of like, oh, good on you for babysitting your kid. It's his kid. No, I, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in the hospital specifically, oh. like in the moment with his child, like coming to that realization where it, it felt like a book ago, Hilo would have been in a different place. That's not necessarily true, but it feels like that could have been the truth. Maybe. Mayhaps. Fatherhood changed the man. Losing his brother changed the man. Losing a brother not by blood changed the man. That's a loss. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Well, with that, we've got plenty, of course, to talk about yet. Next week is our final episode for Jade War. We're going to be wrapping up the book as the Negroni sisters in the Conspiracy Corner continue their separate conversations because of the way that we're recording. So, <laughs> We're Negroni sisters. That's our so theme song. Very... Do you guys have a theme song? Yeah. We should think of one. We have should come one. up with a theme song. Conspiracy Corner. <laughs> <laughs> I had a jingle when it was just Ben's conspiracy corner, but now we have to re- we have to redo it. Was that a song or like a chant? It was. That was. It a was chant more like ben a. Mine was, was a... Ben's conspiracy corner with Ben. <laughs> good. That's good. See, that totally works. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thomas, I'm gonna have you lead into this again, so that we just have you included inside of this. We're switching it up again. To which which part next week? The end. Yeah. The end. So that's where yeah. we'll leave you for this week. Thank you to the beautiful, the wise, the wonderful producers of Atomic Pylon Media and Words and Whiskey. Tim, you're wonderful. Andrew, you're stellar, you're spectacular. And you know what they do? I don't. So PJ will have to take it from here. They do a bunch of stuff, and we love them for it. One of those things is just making sure that all of our shit sounds good and is like audible and that you can download it in any meaningful way. Good work. Backend shit. Check out the show notes. You can find all the normal stuff there. I don't know. Social media stuff. <coughs> Links to things. Buy a t-shirt. Naturally. Join the Patreon. We also want to take a second today to thank our new mixologist, Shine. We're excited to have you in the Discord, Amigo, and supporting the show. So super excited to have you for all of our live events and everything that we got going on there. Big fan of Lightning Bolts. Enjoy that about him. Yeah, yeah. Lightning Bolts everywhere. The Lightning React is definitely properly used inside of the Discord now. It was not utilized before. Now we're there. But with that, Words of Whiskey Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, Words and Whiskey Show, gmail.com, patreon.com, forward slash Words and Whiskey, and t-shirts like PJ mentioned if you want to buy a t-shirt on TeePublic for now. 
Don't forget to rate and review us five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, we'll have to tie a bag around your head and kill you. Jesus. <laughs> you know, like the crews do. So you better drop those five stars, see? Hey, hey, Z, Skinny Reeves will come after you, see? Every week, I think Aaron is escalating, but I don't know that she is. I think that's always horrifying ways to go. It's yeah. just the book excel- ex- escalating. <laughs> As they say, shit escalates. As they say. TM. Woohoo. <laughs> T- so thank you guys so much. We'll see you next week for the wrap up. Bye. Bye. Adieu. Bye. Adieu. To you, and you, and you.